Good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He is Griffin. It's that thing where I'm like convincing myself that because it's been sunny and not um, 12 degrees outside, that that means that spring's not that far away, which means that I'm setting myself up for misery. Well, we'll know tomorrow. Why? Groundhog Day. Oh, right. You come off as the type that actually believes it. Well, what do you mean, actually? <laughs> um, I just know. I know what I'm doing to myself. Like, I had this moment that I'm like, I can put on a hoodie again today. Like, th- It might be over. Maybe it's over. No, I threw that heavy jacket on. I was... I nah, not needed. Not no. necessary today. I'm just... I, I just know didn't. that I'm setting myself up. I know... That I'm putting myself in position because, as everyone knows, I dress for the weather that was yesterday. Checking the weather is just not something. Whatever the weather was yesterday, I'll dress for that today. See how much trouble you'll be in tomorrow. So I know that at some point this weekend, next week, whenever it is, and we should have been in Las Vegas, Mm. I'll be putting on a hoodie and walking outside and feeling, (laughs) just know that's the way that it'll go. You'll probably be okay this weekend. Yeah? Yeah. And that's, then, what, uh, that's what our friend Charlie over at 105.7 was telling me. Yeah, it actually looks yeah. like consistently, you know, like high 40s, low 50s for Ooh, the next week or we so. we can do that. Yeah. We can do that. <laughs> Downright summerish. Love that. Love that. Hi, good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, on the program today, we will continue discussing the sale of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they made it official yesterday learn more about the group that's involved some notable folks i'm not missing too much it's supposed to rain in vegas next week in vegas yeah that's the <laughs> might ruin the super bowl right <laughs> not sure they're prepared for that <laughs> um yeah that's so weird. we will we will talk more about it our uh, our friend buster Olney, who some of you hate it's fine we've had our conversations over the years and i'm gonna guess that buster Olney's tune is is probably going to be a bit different about the Orioles moving forward with uh, John Angelus no longer the point person whenever that becomes official, official. So I say the Orioles made it official. The Orioles made the announcement that they were doing it yesterday. Major League Baseball still has to... Like approve and... Yeah, but as I've said a few times, my assumption is that that happens somewhat quickly. That I, I don't know if it's at next week's meetings that everything gets done done because they do need to look look over all the logistics and what it actually means and do their due diligence. But I, I also, in hindsight, have reason to believe that it's not just that this was coming. Marty Conway was like, you know, I think everybody heard those rumblings. I actually can go back and look at some dates and some in hindsight, some specific things that I was told last August and September that again, with the benefit of hindsight, I said to myself, um, oh, it's like the, that meme from The Wire. It's that, right? Like, I have a few things. I was, I, I had like this light bulb go off yesterday. I'm like, oh, is that? Oh, and so I reached out to somebody that I know. And I was like, hey, remember when we were talking last September? He's like, yep. I said, Son of a bitch! I could have been more out in front of this. You could have been. You could have been breaking the. Yeah, that's what it is. I, that's not my thing. Not my. 
But like in hindsight, this definitely dates back some time, which makes sense. You don't put together this group of people in 48 hours. You know, take 48 hours to to put together this significant (laughs) group of people. So that's what it is. They're like the Avengers. Right. (laughs) Owners assemble. Everybody comes crawling out of the woodwork. Here's Cal Ripken and Grant Hill. Sweet. Michelle Kang. (laughs) Kurt Schmoke. Everybody's like, what? Michael Bloomberg. Do you guys even know each other? (laughs) They rip open their shirts and they've got like... Orioles onesies on. <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to make that that book now. I kind of want to look into that. Uh, yeah, we will chat with uh, Buster Olney and also Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Wall Street Journal will join us. Hopefully, he can tell us a little bit more about David Rubenstein. Uh, later on in the program, Jameer Young. Perhaps you've heard of him. I'm familiar with his work. He's been quite good. Um, we will chat chat with the uh, Maryland Star Guard about how they've been trying to get their season turned around. The last couple of weeks as they head to Michigan State on Saturday. So that's all coming up on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. You got a line for Towson tonight? Uh, I saw seven and a half. Well, let's elsewhere. See. Let's. Why would you be going elsewhere, Griffin? Um, just because that was where I accidentally mm, saw first. Yeah, I, I apologize. I would say you should be going to Superbook and nowhere else. It is I would agree. seven is the number. Oh, right. Touchdown favorites tonight for Towson. So I think you know. I think I like them. Definitely revenge. You know, bad loss at Northeastern a couple weeks ago. But they don't have to win by seven in order to get revenge. They could win by nah, six. They want to embarrass. Still, they want to embarrass them. Charles Thompson's going to yeah, come out not, angry after the I, way oh, right. his he game got, went on he Saturday. He got ejected, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. BS. Towson seven point favorites at home tonight against Northeastern. That game is on TV. Um, so if you're feeling something about that, and Griffin's telling you. You should be feeling something about that. Then get to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Uh, all right, so after we went off the air yesterday, it did become official that Mike McDonald is departing the Baltimore Ravens for the Seattle Seahawks. As you heard when we were talking about it yesterday, we kind of thought that was likely. I think the surprise was that before the Ravens had the opportunity to announce their next defensive coordinator, Denard Wilson then, last night, departed to take the defensive coordinator job with the Tennessee Titans. So it's hard to tell whether that's because the Ravens had kind of made it clear internally that Anthony Weaver was going to be the next defensive coordinator. I don't know if they have a policy like, hey, we can't, we have to make the job open for, you know, companies have different policies related to jobs that you have to post them, something like that. I would think the Ravens being a private company, they wouldn't have as many stringent rules, although I guess the NFL might have any. I, I this I got to be honest with you, a little bit out of my gourds on this one. Maybe the Ravens have to have the job available for a certain amount of time, although I do believe there have been other times in the past where they have simply announced a succession plan. Right. So, and I guess that would have to be the rule. Like they have to have that in place beforehand. Yeah, does, the Rooney, like the does the Rooney rule now extend to coordinators? Do I remember that? Hang on a second. That mm-hmm. might be part of the issue. Although considering Anthony Weaver is black, I'm not. I'm not. I I I, I don't know. Hang on. Rooney rule coordinators. Yeah, the NFL approved changes requiring every team to interview at least two external 
minority candidates. Oh, for uh, two external for a coordinator job, two external minority candidates. So there's your answer. That's that makes it even more difficult. Two external minority candidates for a coordinator job. Now, if it was going to be Denard Wilson, if they knew that, presumably Denard Wilson would say, okay, I can hang out for another couple of days. Mm-hmm. If the Ravens said, Denard, we, we think that you're probably going to be the guy, but we have to go through the process, I could understand him saying, well, right now I could just go take this job and not worry about what the process would be here. So why would I do that? You would hope that the internal plan was not just going to be Denard Wilson because that would be really disappointing. I would still think the Ravens like their internal candidates. Anthony Weaver has defensive coordinator experience, is the associate head coach of the football team. I'm not I'm not sure if doing that made him disinterested in being the coordinator. I would also add that you know, Zach Orr is somebody who's been getting interviews too. So, like, I I think they've got candidates to be their next defensive coordinator, and they still have the opportunity to look outside. And I will continue to say that. Even if we think the Ravens' defense is outstanding, it might very well be I have no problem with them saying, hey, but we kind of like to talk to other candidates too. Mike McDonald, while technically someone who came up with the Ravens, was technically an external candidate as well because he had left. So we'll see how it unfolds. It was a bit surprising that it was immediately followed by the news of Denard Wilson before we'd even had like a report about, you know, hey, the Ravens are eyeing, the Ravens are going through the process, but you would think that one of these guys, you know, Ian Rappaport, somebody like that would say, I'm hearing that they, they would like to just make Anthony Weaver their defensive coordinator but they're going to go through the process, something like that. Because if that's the case, then say, I can totally understand why Denard Wilson takes that job. It might very well be that Tennessee kind of said to him, dude, it's now or never. And without him having a promise from the Ravens, he was like, I, I, I can't have this end with me having passed up my opportunity to go become a coordinator and take the next step up as a coach, so I got to do it. Awkward timing. Awkward timing, to say the least, but I'm not terribly worried about it and I would be inclined to think that if the answer was going to be Denard Wilson the Ravens would have been able to convey that to him to prevent this from happening that's my gut about how that played out I also don't it's too wonky for me to have a preference I think the Ravens have good candidates I mean, I don't know what I could possibly be disappointed by at this point. Right. Is there any sense to lean towards them doing an internal hire just because they that you know they had so much success yeah, with for this the McDonald's sake of, system? For the sake of continuity. Maybe it's more of the Ryans. And I didn't even system. bring up Chris Hewitt, who's in that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's still three solid internal candidates. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Sometimes... Sometimes it's good to get a vision from elsewhere. I, I, I guess that would be the I, – I don't know if there's one guy within this group that 
I don't I don't have I don't have a, I don't have an opinion about it. I got to be honest with you. I don't have an opinion about it. I understand why you would think that. I and I guess that like the dumb guy thing would be, yeah, that keep as much continuity as you can. But I don't know that the play, like Anthony Weaver was a defensive coordinator before Mike McDonald was in the NFL. Would Anthony Weaver definitively continue to do the same things that Mike right. McDonald was doing? Would he kind of say, well, I, actually, I came up under other people and I learned from them, and so that's more of the system that I would be intend I would intend to run? I I just don't know. So I think so. I think I understand the question and why it would make sense, but at the same time, I don't know that any of them is a Mike McDonald clone. I don't know that there isn't somebody that isn't better than Mike McDonald. I know we're all kind of accepting that Mike McDonald, what the word is, that like he's defensive Sean McVay, but I think part of that is just because of his age. Like he's just a wunderkind. Yeah. That's just a wonder kid. Yeah, yeah correct. Um, I, I think, I think that's just the way that we. Uh, remember the last young guy that became a head coach. This guy's that guy. Like I just think that we kind of fall into lazy traps sometimes and say those things. So I, m- maybe there's somebody who'd be a better defensive coordinator than even Mike McDonald was. And know that at the moment that sounds like heresy because Mike McDonald's the greatest thing that ever happened. But you know, so was Rex Ryan once upon a time. So were other guys. So was Marvin. Lew- you know, what I mean, like there's, we we just fall in love with the guy who succeeded. And he definitely succeeded. I hope the next guy succeeds too. I don't think there was anything else. <laughs> I had that. I had that uh, Thirty Rock feeling yesterday. I sent out that uh, GIF, the Liz Lemon walking down the hallway and saying, "Wow, what a week!" And uh, Jack uh, Donaghy turning around and saying, "Lemon, it's Wednesday." <laughs> like, I had that feeling at some point yesterday. Like this, it's, we, it we, has we, been. We, we were entering into the slow period. In uh, Baltimore sports media, right. <laughs> and it has not been that so far. We'll get there. I have no doubt. Then a couple of weeks, we're gonna be like, do more college basketball. Yeah. March Madness. Baby. <laughs> Anybody got a topic they want to bring to the table? I like that day is going to come, where that's going to happen. But it just simply has not been the case this week to this point. Yeah, it'll be interesting without the Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, saga it's a much different offseason than it was last year when we had one predominant topic. Now, that might mean that it's more spread out, that perhaps the there's like for for what it's worth. We're going to have to get some answers in the next few weeks. We're going to have to get answers about, you know, are they going to ta- are they, I guess first, are they going to be able to get a long term deal done with either Patrick Queen or Justin Matabike? Before the deadline. I don't even know what the deadline is. I haven't done any work. You should probably look that up. The tag deadline. Um, I guess I could throw Geno Stone in there as well, but I just think that's so unlikely. Like, I've made peace that Geno Stone's going to be wearing a different uniform next year. He's got lions written all over him. Um, When the lions were bad, that was definitive. I don't know if it's still... Like by the way, that could it could be uh, the, the Seahawks or the Titans now, right? Like, that's the other thing to keep in mind is that when your coaches leave, they have a tendency to want to bring their guys with them. And so could it be something like, so now the Seahawks need D-line, so what, at, if he tells Matt Abike, we're giving you Donald money, don't sign a tag. Uh, well, but they, they, or sign a tag and you know we're going to... That, that's the difficult part. If he, could t- if he told him don't sign a tag, he'd, be, he'd still be waiting for another year. Right. There's no, nothing to benefit from Matt Abike to not sign the tag other than to just not make money. Like, he doesn't get out if that's the case, unless he's trying to force a trade, and then the Seahawks have to be willing to pay in that trade, 
what the Ravens deem that uh, Justin Matabike is worth. February 20th to March 5th is the, the tag tagging window. period. So March yes. 5th is the deadline. Mm-hmm. So do they get a long-term deal done with either of those two guys so that they can tag the other? And yes, it is relevant to point out that likely the Seahawks and the Titans will have interest in Ravens' defensive free agents. That's just the way this goes throughout history. Coordinator or a position coach leaves to take a higher job, they have a tendency to want to try to go after the guys they're familiar with. So it wouldn't stun me at all to see Patrick Queen in Seattle, Geno Stone in Tennessee, something along those lines. The Ravens have the ability to make sure that one of them is definitely going to stay in Baltimore. It's possible they could have more than one of them stay in Baltimore. But we'll have, like, those dominoes will start falling. At some point, we'll get answers. They're also going to have to make decisions about the guys whose cap numbers are inflated. Ronnie Stanley is not going to be a $26 million cap hit next season. That's not going to happen. I I can say that with almost certainty. I would say I'm 98% certain that he will not play at a $26 million cap hit in 2024. Oh, you know what? I meant to do Brian McFarland this week. Uh-uh. I don't want to do that with Stan tomorrow. See if he wants to come on today. We have some time in the 11 o'clock hour. What else do we have going on? Uh, Anything? Yeah, we have Jameer yeah, Young, obviously, yeah. but we have some time, right? We do. Tell him that's my fault. I, I meant to tell you that. We always do that every year. We get to, like, the season ends, and then we have a Brian McFarland conversation, and I truly F that up just because, again, we've had so much going on. We've had a week. So we'll have to get an answer on Ronnie Stanley for sure. Because the number's not going to be $26 million. But there is the danger because that's only $9 million worth of savings. It's a difficult difficult part of that. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else whose numbers are obvious. Uh, yeah, Tyus Bowser. They'll have to deal with Tyus Bowser. Some of these, I, there's just nothing to do. Marcus Williams is $26 million worth of dead cap. What are you doing about that? So some of these, there's nothing you're doing. But we will have things to discuss even before free agency officially opens. And then we'll see if they make moves. Remember, a year ago, they were silent because everything was predicated around Lamar Jackson. So presumably there'll be a bit of a more normal offseason ahead for the Baltimore Ravens, and, you know, the Orioles are also expected to be good. So, like, by the time we get to that, we'll have other things to talk about too. It'll be a, a couple of weeks. We'll start – let's pull out all the stops in these couple of weeks. Say, so we start living and dying by spring training games. No, not going to do that. I can't fake it. Refuse to fake it refuse to sorry sorry pal not doing that i was thinking that we could do some other things though god i i actually miss having an intern this semester what are we doing what's happened with our intern we had a hell of a run of interns i don't know who that's on i feel like you could help i feel like you could be involved in the process use some interns because i like the content that they add to the show I, I like that. Did we ever come up with an answer? Oh, uh, Tim and Belair sent me a suggestion for a Super Bowl side bet. Hang on. Hang on. 
His suggestion was, oh, a McDonald's casserole. I actually never have done one of those fast food casseroles. Problem is, the only one I really want to do is Chick-fil-A, and that would be delicious. So, like, maybe that would work. Continue to think about the possibilities for Super Bowl side bets next week. Obviously, we're not doing picks today. All right, today's show is also brought to you by Goose Flights. Goose Flights is available all over town. Available in cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, at Alonzo's in Roland Park, at the Green Turtle Sportsbook in Canton. Also available in cans and six-packs at Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North, as well as at Costas Inn in Dundalk. And available in six-packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. And we are working on some other locations. I've had people say, hey, could you, you bring it out further into the Burbs? Well, depending on where in the Burbs you are, you can go to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. But we get it, and we're working on it, and we'd like to extend it into other areas in the Baltimore metro region. So we are working on that. What's important about Goose Flights is not just that it's delicious, but that it continues the legacy of the late, great Tony Siragusa because we have partnered with the Siragusa family and the Goose Flights Foundation. Tony had this vision, and his daughter Sammy has now taken control of the Goose Flights Foundation, which provides non-emergency medical transport for those in need. One ninety-eight from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation and the work that they are doing. So we are really proud of this, and everybody that's coming to town has told me, wow, you know, it's actually really good. Yeah, it is. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash GooseFlights. In order to find out more about where Goose Flights is available today, I know it's a mouthful every time I read the list, but it's all listed at the website. We have an, uh, an issue of some sort? Yeah, um, the phone seems to have an issue. Uh, I'm going to try, try to see if we can switch to Zoom real quick. Okay, we want to take a break? Uh, sure. Let's take a break and see if we can't sort this out. That's not a good sign for how our day is going to go. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, and now we play the game of will the show work? Will we be able to do the show as we said we would do? That's the game that we're now playing here on GCR. And the nervousness that shows on Griffin's face tells me we're, we're not certain. We're not certain if we're going to be able to play that game. Hey, if um, you missed it, we did a uh, kind of conclave yesterday. Stan the Fan, Luke Jackson, and I got together to talk about the direction of the Baltimore Orioles. You can find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab. Go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. You can check it out in all of those places. Stan uh, is going to discuss um, some uh, draft prospects today with Eric Garfield. And uh, every Monday, Stan, Luke, and Ross Grimsley get together at facebook.com slash pressboxsports so you can find that every Monday afternoon. All right. We're, uh, we're I think we're going to be joined. We are. Very good. I appreciate him working with us through the technology issues that we're having today. Joining us now, he, of course, covers Major League Baseball for ESPN, a friend of ours. He's Mr. Buster Olney, and he's back with us on GCR Buster, it's Glenn. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks so much for doing this this morning. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, when uh, you say they're tech issues yeah. in our business, it's redundant, right? <laughs> we all all work through it all the time, so no problem at all. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. Buster, I, um, I, I, it's weird because you and I have had this conversation before. I know you've never had ill will towards the Orioles. You wanted to see the Orioles take advantage of the opportunity that was in front of them 
and the ownership group that was in charge simply wasn't doing that. With that in mind, I've got to think that you believe that this is a very good week for the Baltimore Orioles and for their fan base. What an incredible opportunity for the franchise. Uh, and, and, you know, great days, you would assume, are ahead for the fans, who, if, if you know better than I do, because you're there, yeah. uh, there's been just so much frustration um, for, uh, you know, the incoming owners. What an incredible opportunity to be heroes riding in, right? You take over a team that has the best group of young players in baseball. They have no payroll obligations. Uh, they have a fan base that's getting juiced, and you know, with a, a, a passionate group of fans who are going to support this team as they go forward. And more specifically, in this moment, there are still incredible opportunities for the team to make additions before 2024 and, and augment the the club. You know, I, I uh, have seen a lot of examples in baseball history where. Even before a sale is formally approved by other owners, the incoming owner will give a wink, wink, nod, nod to the outgoing owners and say, look, we want to make a splash. So we're going to give you the go ahead to go ahead and make some deals. And right now we know the Orioles. I mean, they have this, you know, terrific lineup. They need pitching. You can go sign Blake Snell. You can go sign Jordan Montgomery, even though it's a, Late in the wintertime, those guys are available. You can call the White Sox and make a trade for Dylan Cease. And I haven't asked Mike Elias this, but I suspect because he hasn't been sure about, you know, where the ownership is in terms of spending money, you can understand why he'd be more reserved in trading prospects, uh, you know, behind Jackson Holiday, some of the, you know, second tier guys that they have. Well, now, now that you know ownership's coming in, is presumably going to spend more than John Angelos was approving. Right. They they should be in a position where they could go and make moves today and be able to go and augment this team, you know, for 2024. I think Dylan Cease makes the most sense. Wow. All right. Well, so let me come back to that in a second because I know a lot has been made about the cost of Dylan Cease. But before we get – what you bring up – I, I, it's funny you say like more than John Angelos because we understand it has to be because that bar was basically nothing, right? Like that right. bar, that bar was Craig Kimbrell. So I think that part of the excitement is that anything is better than nothing. But wh- do you have a sense in the first, you know, thirty six hours of this at all for what the line is between the nothing that the Orioles were spending and where this David Rubenstein group would be willing to go? Because I do still, you know, think like this is this is private equity. This is someone who wants to make profits. The Orioles are still a smaller market team. Like, I'm not expecting them to suddenly become the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Mets tomorrow. Do we have a line for where they're think that, where we think they're willing to go and how much did David Rubenstein's statement yesterday maybe reinforce the belief that it's definitely going to be spending something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you what their payroll is going to be next year. Is it yeah. going to be $120 million? Is it going to be $140 million, $180 million? But I think your point about the low bar is dead on. Look, if they do anything, I wrote in a column yesterday that if they were to sign just one of the three, you know, primo young players to a long-term deal, the way oh. the Braves have, Adley, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, uh, Jackson Holiday, just one of the three – that would distinguish them from uh, from John Angelos's stewardship of the team. If they happen to sign all three, they'd hold a parade. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> you know, if they go out and add, let's say they take the payroll to 160 million. Good lord, uh, I, you know, where would that take this team if you were to spend the money 
uh, you know, to augment it for, for this year, for 2025, it would create so much opportunity for the front office. Um, I, I, I don't know where it's going to be, but even a little bit more is going to be better than where they've been. It, it, just to, to back that up, it seems that you have no fear. Buster, there's always this part of me that when we deal with super wealthy people, that these people might have egos and might say, yeah, you got things that are working. That's cool. I want to do things my way. It sounds like your belief is more there's no way this group is coming in and looking at the Orioles and looking at Mike Elias and looking at the the, the progress they've made in drafting, developing, international, everything like that, and saying, we'd rather have our own people doing things. We don't care about what's working for you. No, I, I don't think so. But your point is well taken, uh, you know, because we've seen a lot of examples in the past where ownership groups have come in and sort of bulldozed, uh, you know, front offices. I, I, I don't know, you know, David, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly how he's going to run the team. But we go back to the whole point that given how it's been run <laughs> and I'm not talking about the front office. I'm talking about the decisions that John made to tank for, you know, three, four years to maximize profits for ownership. Uh, you, know, you know, that whatever this ownership group does, it can't be worse. Like it just can't be worse in terms of where the payroll is. Buster Olney is with us here on GCR as we're discussing the upcoming Orioles ownership change. Buster, you brought up Dylan Cease. The, the issue, as I was to understand, we keep hearing the, the sun and the moon, right? We keep hearing that the asking price is so insanely high that no one is willing to go there. Is that – are you suggesting that perhaps that changes to your point because David Rubenstein has the ability to say, yeah, we might have to pay a lot, but we need to pay a lot. We need pitching. And if for some reason it doesn't work or if we end up, we are willing to spend to make up for whatever it is that we're losing. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. You would assume that, you know, when he's talking about uh, wanting to get a championship trophy back in Baltimore, I mean, that's what it's going to take at this point. Yeah. Uh, any, anybody in baseball can see it. They need a starting pitcher. They need more depth on that side. Uh, you know, that played out in the postseason. Uh, Dylan Seats, I mentioned, I mean, if you wanted to, completely protect the farm system you could go sign jordan montgomery right you know you could sign blake snell because you wouldn't have to give up prospects and i i personally like i don't know why the red sox haven't signed him i don't know why the yankees haven't signed jordan montgomery um and to me he would make a lot of sense for the orioles because you could if you have some payroll flexibility you could add the the left-handed starting pitcher that you need in a jordan montgomery and you could protect the farm system if we don't want to give him and i don't know what the numbers that scott boris is asking for now maybe you know 160 million dollars if you don't want to make that commitment then what you know you could do if you're the orioles because they're so loaded in the farm system is that you could tell the white Sox, look we're obviously not talking about jackson holiday right. we're not talking about this guy we're not talking about this guy you basically have your no touch list and then you say we're willing to talk about the other guys uh, this is, you know, Billy Bean uh, for years told me that's how he makes deals. OK, uh, if I'm going to trade you my you know great young starting pitcher, um, then I'm going to need maybe your number four prospect, your number six prospect, your number eight. Uh, and, you know, it, it, ownership now uh, can go to Mike Elias and say, look, go ahead and make those moves because you we will fill in the gap. You know, we'll give you more money to uh, to do those other things. I think. 
If they do have payroll flexibility in this moment, I think Jordan Montgomery is the way to go. I, it makes a lot of sense to me, Buster. I, you know, the other thing I would say too is that like we, it's still, they still have a problem here, and it's a good problem to have. I understand, but they still have the problem of this glut of prospects at, at in the infield. Like they can't all have roles with the or you have to do something. You can't just keep hoarding these guys forever and having Major League Baseball players playing at AAA. It makes no sense. Glenn, I mean, you t- the team that has demonstrated that to us, your ha- has really made that point for you, are the St. Louis Cardinals in recent years. Yeah. How many position player prospects have we heard about with the Cardinals? You know, Dylan Carlson, number one pick, uh, you know, on down the line, and they have been incredibly indecisive. You know, rather than say, look, this uh, prospect has this value right now, we're ma- going to make a hard decision. We don't see him being in our mix. So we're going to take advantage of his value right now. We saw the Atlanta Braves do that early in this offseason with Vaughn Grissom, where they looked at their team. You know, you got Ozzy Albee signed long term. Uh, you, you know, the, the other infielders there and everyone had seen enough of Vaughn Grissom where they felt like he's not going to be the everyday shortstop. So while he's low on service time, while he's inexpensive, then they say we're going to take advantage of his trade value right now because we don't project him to be in our lineup and we're going to flip him for Chris Sale. That is, to your point, that is the sort of decision that the Orioles are going to need to make 100%. rather than just sort of hang in because the value of all those guys is they add service time or as they linger in the minor leagues, it depreciates what they can get in the market for them. All right. Talk me through, Buster only with us on GCR. Talk me through because I'm I'm worried that in hindsight, we might look back and say the timing was two years late for when David Rubenstein arrived in relation to the three players that you referenced and doing extensions. Adley Rutschman's now only a year away from arbitration and, and signed for real money when he signed originally. Um, Jackson Holiday and, of course, Gunnar Henderson are both repped by Scott Boris. Right. What is the reality? Like, can can it be done with any of this group, I, I just I'm nervous about this now that we are a little bit into the process with Rutschman and knowing what you're working with with Scott Boris and the other two. Can this group bridge that gap and get it done to get these guys locked in? It's a great point, and you're right to say they're essentially swimming upstream. It seems crazy that if a player is in his first and second year, it might be too late to sign those guys to major extensions. Boris's history is he likes to have his guys go year to year, as he did with Juan Soto, has with Juan Soto through their you know early years of service time, arbitration until they reach free agency, because that's how you can get the most amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, you know my sense is, is that's been Scott's advice. But there have been players who have said, you know what, I can't turn down this amount of money. Ronald Acuna Jr. was early in his career with the Atlanta Braves. They offered him $100 million dollars. And they coaxed him out of, you know, uh, giving up that service time and giving up his free agency and deferring that. Um, There's at some point, um, you know, maybe there could be a price point. I don't know. That comes down to what Gunnar Henderson wants. It comes down to what uh, Jackson Holiday wants. Um, So it it just is going to go player by player. You could, if you're the Orioles, you know, go to Adley Rutschman and basically say, what's it going to take? And those are three players if you're going to make a heavy bet like that, sure. Like that is those are three guys that you'd want to bet on. You know, I'll give you an example. One of the the young players that the Braves signed to a long-term deal, Ozzy Albies, you know, he's a uh, a shorter second baseman 
who had a major elbow injury when he was in the minor leagues. That might have been a little bit more dicey. But when you're talking about these three guys, you know, generational talents, then maybe you do go and say, okay, we're going to make sure that happens in part because imagine, uh, you know, the perception points that you're going to get if you pay, uh, you know, you pay an Adley Rutschman 20 more million dollars than you're comfortable with in the end, in terms of this, what the signal is to the fan base, it may well be worth it. You and I have talked about this before, Buster. There is nothing they could do As, as significant to your point as trading for Dylan Cease or adding Jordan Montgomery, or any free agent they could sign. There is nothing that could do more for this fan base. And the fears that this fan base has had, and the trauma that they went through through the Manny Machado era, to turn around and say, we're not doing it again. Plant your flag. This guy's going to be an Oriole. And we're not saying they're going to be Cal Ripken, because it's just a, it's a different era of baseball, and who knows how many guys we're ever going to see in our lifetimes that play with one franchise for the entirety. But there is nothing that this franchise could do for a fan base greater than saying, this is a star player. We believe in them. And to your point, if it's $20 million more than that player's real value, it's probably worth it in what it will do for this fan base. Especially given the culture of the organization, the history of the organization. I don't think there's another team in baseball that has the connection between the community and the players the way the Orioles have had. You know, the expectation of uh, Brooks Robinson, who feels like, you know, uh, he, he felt like family. Yep. Uh, Boop Powell feels like family. Jim Palmer. Uh, so many who reside in the Baltimore area. You could begin to build Cal, of course. I mean, that uh, goes without saying. Uh, you could begin to build that again and feed into that if you get an Adley Rutschman sign. And who knows? If you sign Adley Rutschman, yeah, then maybe, maybe Gunnar Henderson right. begins to look at it and says, you know what? maybe we're all building something here with my great friend Adley. And then maybe Jackson Holiday is saying, I want to be part of this. You know, this is a great organization. This is a great baseball community and we can go forward. I, I, I think there's tremendous power in that, in beginning to turn around that perception. As we talked about, you know, mentioned several times, they're working from a blank slate here. Yep. Like they have so much flexibility and the bar is so low by you know how the team has been run over the last 15 years that they can really grow and a gift of a lot of public money coming in right to a stadium that's already beloved that now you get to upgrade it, to your point it does feel like a perfect situation oh and david rubenstein's a baltimore native who grew up rooting for the Orioles, which I, I keep warning everybody does not mean that he's just someone who wants to throw money away at the Baltimore Orioles. Like As I, Peter demonstrated. Yep. You know, 100%. And Peter, Peter's a Baltimore guy through and through. And I always thought there was a, you know, I got to know Peter really well. I've gotten to know him through the years. And, uh, and I always thought there was a misperception about him. He wanted the team to succeed. And maybe, you know, David can learn from the mistakes that Peter had and and trust more people than Peter did in in running the franchise. Uh, That part of it's significant. And obviously we're all in agreement that the guy that's running the baseball team is the right guy that has a vision. And it's not just that he hit on number one draft picks because, you know, Gunnar Henderson wasn't that. He has proven, you know, Felix Batista was not a number one draft pick, right? Like they have proven they have something in terms of drafting and development that we can believe in. It, it, is it fair to say there's a special sauce that we can buy into in what Mike Elias is doing running this baseball team? A hundred percent. And look, you know, he they followed the same path, as you know, in Houston. Yep. Uh, they picked the right players. They made the right decisions. They got the guys, uh, you know, at the, at the right time. Um, you know, they signed Jose Altuve to a long-term deal when he was a young player. 
Uh, you know, and you can't look I you know, been really critical of, of John Angelos for the decision to tank those years. But you cannot criticize anything Mike has done in terms of picking the right players and developing the right players and building the right culture. Uh, Buster Oni, you're not doing anything to calm down the excitement uh, <laughs> here in Baltimore. It is I'm fired uh, up. Like I yeah. just have so many friends who are Orioles fans and just uh, just fired up for them. And, and I, I'm sure that yesterday or you know, a couple days ago when that news broke, yeah. that in the front offices of the Red Sox and other teams, it must have been kind of a, a daunting moment. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's different. It's a different task now. Like they're they're they're, they're going to be serious. They're going to be players. And. Uh, that's what's so encouraging about all of this, uh, Buster. Let me let me get all the. We're gonna link up your column um, about you know the, the, this, this being the perfect time. We're gonna link that up on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, the podcast, everything else. What else can I plug for you, sir? Uh, yeah, uh, the Baseball Tonight podcast. We're starting up uh, you know three days a week in a couple weeks. We're, we just uh, put one out yesterday. Um, and then, uh, you know, all the stuff that we do at ESPN, I'm headed down to, uh, to Florida on the 14th and, uh, we'll be in camps all spring. Awesome. Buster Oni, always appreciate you. You've been great to us over the years at Buster underscore ESPN. Thank you for hopping on and let's chat again real soon. All right. Okay. That sounds great. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Buster. Buster Oni with us here on GCR. Boy, he's, he's fired up, right? Like he sounds there's a there's a he's not right but like there's a little bit of him that sounds like it's it's a relief to him and he points out like you know from his time here he's got a lot of people in his life that are Orioles fans and he's happy for them and I, he was always clear like he was never when, when you guys would accuse Buster only of hating the Orioles it was never that his point I thought was well taken I'd like to see this group I we he and I went back and forth about the tanking thing, and I said the rules set up for it to benefit the team. I understand why they're doing it. I got his point. The fruits, as he points out, cannot be debated. The fruits of, of that painful period for the Baltimore Orioles are significant and a great part of the reason why he says now that there's been no better time for a new ownership. Switch gears. Actually, not switching gears. We're going to continue to talk about the same subject as, obviously, it's the it's the story this week here in Baltimore. Joining us now, um, he's really been following sort of the ownership situation of the Orioles for some time with the Wall Street Journal and had been written. We, we talked a lot about the piece sort of comparing it to succession a couple of months ago, and now here we are, and the Orioles are going in a different direction with new ownership. Joining us now. Wall Street Journal sports reporter Jared Diamond, he is with us on GCR. Jared, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. I'm happy to do it. It, it, You know, it finally happened. Yeah, right. Months and months, here we are. Did you, as, as all the reporting that you were doing, did you in your gut feel like it's only a matter of time? That this just, everything that you had gained knowledge-wise about the situation, that there was just no way. There were times where we believed that John Angelos wanted to be the owner of the Orioles, but did you come away from saying, it's just not plausible, there's no way he can continue to run this team? That's a very interesting question because my mind on this changed every week, Yeah, which, which I think says a lot about John Angelos. If you if you know John Angelos, talk to people that know John Angelos, you could talk to five people 
who talked directly to John Angelos and asked him, so what is he thinking? And you'll get five different answers. <laughs> he changes his mind all the time. He's capricious. He's mercurial. That he, he doesn't exactly, he's indecisive. I think that's something we've learned about John Angelos over the years. Uh, when I wrote the initial story you mentioned back in December, I came away really believing he was going to keep the team, that he was totally committed to building his giant shopping mall around Camden Yards, yeah. and he saw an opportunity to make uh, incredible money. Uh, then the holidays happened. I came back, uh, talked to some new sources who told me, you know, this is definitely starting to heat up. It was a very interesting week, the first week of January. Uh, came back from the holidays. I was told, you know, this is heating up. Two days later, I got another call from the same person saying the deal's dead. And then two days after that, it was like, it's back on. <laughs> uh, my sort of takeaway was basically David Rubenstein was growing frustrated with Angelos. A lot of fits and starts uh, in the negotiation. It's my understanding that it wasn't until late last week that it became wow. clear that this was actually going to happen. You know, they had been talking for th over three years you know, on and off, fits and starts. Uh, and, you know, it finally heated up, and here we are. Jared, how much do we know? And, and you, of course, now that you've gone to the Wall Street Journal, I, I, I don't know, trying to figure out David Rubenstein, we, how much do we know about him and his desire to be a winner in baseball versus this is someone who's made his money in private equity, and maybe he just wanted to be in baseball because he wanted to make profits and baseball owners tend to make significant profits. Like how much of that do we know yet about this man? Yeah, I think that's an important question because I think there's so many Orioles fans that are just so thrilled to be out from the ownership of the Angeloses that they almost aren't even paying attention to like who is coming in. Look, there's a couple of things. I think it's important to recognize that the Carlisle Group is not buying the Orioles. Right. David Rubenstein is buying the Orioles out of his personal office, his personal wealth. So they're yes, they're being bought by a person who made his money in private equity, but they're not being bought by private equity. They're being bought by an individual, and and obviously he has other investors. But David Rubenstein's the person who matters. He is a lifelong Orioles fan. He was like four years old when the Orioles moved. To Baltimore, he I know he is a genuine fan, or at least was growing up. You I know, did I see that you that. referenced Gus Triandos in the, the story that you wrote this week. Yeah, which, you know, looking for Orioles yeah. players and maybe he was watching when he yeah. was six years old or whatever. So he is a fan of the team. Uh, you know, I also understand that he has a son who is in or has been in the sports industry as well, who I wouldn't be surprised if it gets brought into the fold. Look, I I, I understand that baseball is like a big profit driver, but David Rubenstein's 74 years old. He's worth $4 billion, whatever he's worth, $5 billion, whatever Forbes says, you know, says he's worth. I, I just don't believe that at this stage in his life, he would be buying this baseball team for like the sole purpose of like just bleeding it dry to make more money off of it. Like it just doesn't really track with, a lot of things that we sort of know about him, what I think we assume about him. He's been trying to buy the Orioles for, he's been interested in buying the Orioles for like 10 years. Yeah. This is something he's long wanted. There's plenty of other ways he can make money. 
It's also important to remember that he is known as someone that uh, has sort of dedicated himself to spending his wealth during his life, right? He's made a pledge that he's going to spend like 50 at least 50% of his wealth while he's still alive. He has been a massive philanthropist for lots of different causes. Like, I don't know this man personally, but I, I don't believe this is just like a private equity play. I do think he's going to care about the Orioles. Doesn't mean they're going to be like spending like the Dodgers. Right. Like they're not. Right. It's still Baltimore. They're still like a small market organization, but there's no reason why they should have the 29th highest payroll in baseball either. And I think just getting them back into like sort of the middle of the pack of spending makes a big difference for the future of the organization. Jared, Jared Diamond is with us from the Wall Street Journal here on GCR. Jared, it's such a small thing, right? But but knowing how much you've covered this sport, I, can you imagine like how refreshing it was for Orioles fans in the first statement David Rubenstein made to make sure that he laid out the priorities that winning winning a World Series? Like it's just not language that has been heard in this town for some time. Like I, it, I don't even I, look. I can't get. I have no idea how this is gonna work, right? Like I couldn't tell you. But for this fan base to just hear someone say, I'm telling you that's the priority. I get it. Steve Cohen wants that to be the priority in New York, and it's not working out so well at first. But just to hear it goes a long way and seems like it should be so simple for people that own baseball teams. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned Steve Cohen because it really is a great comparison in so many ways. Like The situation in Baltimore it reminds me so much of the situation that happened with the Mets a few years ago, where yeah. you had a sort of a, a long time family ownership, uh, you know, a family that in 2024 could never afford to buy a baseball team. Right. It's almost, it's almost like quaint that Peter Angelos was able to buy a baseball team in 1993. The guy was a lawyer. I know he was a very successful lawyer. But he was a lawyer. The Wilpons in New York, like were real estate developers. Right. These are not people that own baseball teams these days and anyway you know became deeply unpopular for various off-field shenanigans and then sort of the local billionaire swoops in buys the teams and i'm gonna fix everything like that it hasn't worked in new york but look i but yes i understand the power of that language like finally having somebody who uh you believe is really going to care and like look i don't I'm sure if you asked John Angelos, he would say that his priority was to win the World Series. I'm sure he would say that. But it's true. Like, the actions of that family would suggest that they had other priorities. Uh, and I don't think that'll be the case with Rubenstein. Like, I do believe he's going to put his money where his mouth is. I do think you're going to see, like, look, I don't know what's going to happen. But there's a much better chance today right, right. that they're going to be able to main, like keep Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson than there was two days ago. So like that in itself is valuable. I, I completely agree. I think just using the words much better chance, I, I think it's a great way to define all of this. And I think that's a very reasonable feeling to have. Jared, I, I brought this up with a couple of people I've talked to this week. There's always an amount of trepidation for me when, I, when I'm talking about very wealthy people that even if something is working, they come in and they say, right, but we want to do it our way. And I, I think it's easy to say, hey, why would you want to buy the Orioles and not have Mike Elias run the baseball team? It's working. It's It's been fruitful. What are you doing? But I just, I, I have dealt with enough wealthy people in my life that have seen things that worked and said, 
yeah, but I want to do it my way instead. Is there any reason that we should still wait? And does he need to come out and say, no, I need you guys to understand that I think that the baseball side of this is working and I have no interest in messing with that whatsoever. So it's funny. I talked yesterday to someone in the front office, a high ranking, relatively high ranking person in the front office who expressed the same concerns. Like they're definitely understandably like concerned or at least curious, right? Like, like you said, it's not unusual for someone that I want to bring in my own guys. Like, I will say this. I, this is me sort of just speculating, yep. right? Generally speaking, I, I'd be shocked if you see any changes right away. You know, when you have this new new group, they their first priority is to come in and let's like evaluate things. Let's see how things are working. They just won 101 games last year. Correct. They obviously have a great team. And, you know, I would argue should be the favorites to win the AL East again. It's wide open for them to win it again. The Yankees, uh, I think, are kind of a flaming disaster. The Red Sox are look like a disaster. Like, uh, by the way, Jerry, right I, just, I just need to warn you: my producer is absolutely going to quote you saying the Yankees are a flaming disaster on Twitter. Like, he's definitely going to do that because that is the type of the, the Orioles fans will will be ready to worship at your altar based on that uh, quote. Yeah, they're, they're, like, so it's right there for them to take. So, but what I think that means, I think there's a lot of pressure on the Orioles and for the front office, there's a lot of pressure to win this year, right? But I do think if not win the World Series necessarily, but like be competitive, win the division and get back to the playoffs, hopefully not get swept in the first right, round. Right. Because I think like, look, you go into this year, Ruben Stein's not going to be the owner of this team until probably at the earliest opening day, right? Like probably it might even be longer than that. So it's not like this is going to be done in a couple of days. So nothing's really going to change going into this season. And if the team is successful again, it's like, why change anything? Right. If they're disappointing and they they fall back and they, instead of winning 101 games, they win 83 and like struggle to make the playoffs. Sure. I think then you may see the ownership go like, well, maybe we have to change things up, do things our way. So it just really depends. I think a lot will ride on this season. And I, look, to me, they're the favorites to win the AL East this year. They just have to go out and, and do it, you know? Do you think it's at all possible that, like, there could be an agreement in place for David Rubenstein to say to John Angelos, hey, until I take over, I if, if you wanted to spend some money right now, we'd, we'd be willing to say that's okay? Like, is it possible there could be a gentleman's agreement that could allow the Orioles to, to make a move before opening day? That's a, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would hope, I would hope that, you know, ownership is out there, like trying to make the team better. I mean, honestly, the Angelos should have been doing that all off season. Of course, you know, like, yes. How do you not? How do you not want to improve on this team? Like, yes, they were amazing last year. Yes, all these young players are going to be a year older, and you hope better. Yes, there's a whole pipeline of young stars right behind them. But like, you know, how do you not want to build on it? Especially after getting swept in the first round of the playoffs, but. You know, I'm not a baseball owner, and I, I don't pretend to understand what <laughs> right. these guys are thinking. You can't time. always get into the minds of uh, of these people and exactly what their priorities are and what matters to them. Yeah, I, I keep coming back. Like, the better chance to me is the thing that I keep coming back to. That I think it's such the appropriate way to say this. We don't know what's going to happen. We This can't assure that the Orioles are going to vault in the World Series winners or that even they're going to be able to sign Adley Rutschman, Jackson Holiday, Gunnar Henderson. Like, there's still issues... 
you know, some two of those guys are Scott Boris clients that you're going to be swimming uphill or up, upstream. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I talk for a living, Jared. Um, but like, I, I think just saying there's a better chance is the exact appropriate way to talk about why this is such a positive development for the folks in Baltimore. But while I just while we were talking, someone in the Rubenstein family must be listening to your show because a Ruben, someone with the last name Rubenstein, just followed me on Twitter <laughs> while, <laughs> while we're talking. So someone's paying attention over there. Hey, That's man. funny. I'm uh, uh, I'm glad they're connecting. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, look, this is you never know what's going to happen next, and like, and I think. Dan Connolly kind of talked about this yesterday. And I think it's a fair point that like when Peter Angelos bought the team 30 years ago, 100%. there was so much excitement that they were finally out from under the previous owner. So like, you just never really know, but I do believe that like things were bad, right? Like I understand why there was a lot of frustration with the Angelos family as owners, especially as time went on. So, like, yeah, I think there's, like, reason to believe, like, anything is better. Can it all blow up? Sure. Like, sure. Of course it can. Like, baseball is a weird industry. It's a zero-sum game. Only one team can win the World Series every year. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? Like, but if I'm an Orioles fan today, I am thinking things are better than they were before. At least that's what I'm going into this with. And if it turns out to be wrong... It turns out to be wrong, but like I don't see why you have anything other than sort of positive feelings about where thing where things are going right now. At Jared Diamond on Twitter is how you follow him. We linked up uh, at his column this week at the Wall Street Journal about the Orioles sale. Uh, Jared, I've been a fan of uh, your books. Is there one that we can plug for you today? Uh, we can read me at the Wall Street Journal, of course. I did uh, my last. I did write a book a couple years ago. It's called Swing Kings. Still out there, available where books are sold. Or just, no, just read the journal. That's also fine, too. Jared, always appreciate taking the time for us. Thanks so much for doing this morning. Let's talk again real soon, all right? It's great. You got it, guys. Jared Diamond with us from the Wall Street Journal. Appreciate him taking the time for us. I think that that, uh, span of 40 minutes probably felt pretty good for Orioles fans. Two prominent, plugged-in people. And saying it the right way, right? Like... I, I really do. I keep coming back to that that phrase. There's a better chance. That's the way. That is the way. If you're trying to guarantee yourself of anything, if you're saying to yourself, I've said it all week. If the measurement of this is now they're going to lock down Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, and Jackson Holiday, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I hope. I mean, I hope beyond hope. But the point that Jared died, there's a better chance. And that's the best phrase to use in describing all of it. There's a better chance. Not just with those guys. There's a better chance of landing a pitcher. Buster Olney suggests there, David Rubenstein could say today, hey, I'm going to be moving into this job this season. I'd like to win this season. So he could go to John Angelos and say, make the commitment I'm going to foot the bill, tell Mike Elias he can go ahead and spend some money. I, 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 the only, 
I think it is reasonable to keep inferring that because David Rubenstein is in his 70s and buying the team now, that he probably wants to win now. I think it's a reasonable inference to make. I would say it's not like he stopped trying to win in finance. Like, it's not like he's... he's, This is a, a retirement gig for him or something like that. He's still, in his 70s, extraordinarily active. For what it's worth... The next president of the United States is almost certainly going to be older than him. The current one definitely is. The the two that have a chance are both older than David Rubenstein. David Rubenstein has not quit on trying to make profits. I do think it's relevant to point out that it's not a Carlisle Group acquisition. It's a David Rubenstein acquisition that is separate So, I think all of it is reasonable to infer, but I don't think any of it cancels out any of it either. I don't think that David Rubenson is just saying, well, hey, if I lose $2.5 billion in the next 10 years, all good, I'm at the end of my life anyway. I'll just throw money away at the Baltimore Orioles. I don't believe that. But I do think it's reasonable to infer why would you want to become a baseball owner in your 70s if you're not going to have a little bit of fun? Like if it was only about profits. As the point has been made, there are other things you can do to just profit. Why become a baseball owner this deep into your life if you don't want to get a little bit of the spoils, standing and holding a trophy, which, as I've always said, is effing bizarre that the owner gets to hold it first. Like, I understand, but at the same time, like, come on, man. Put the put the team together. No. Or she. No. <laughs> Didn't. If, if, if they win a World Series in the next five years, I'm fine with David I, Rubin. I, trust me, if they win a World <laughs> Series, I, I, I don't care if there's 80. If every member of the ownership group Grant Hill, then Cal Ripken, and Kurt Schmoke, yeah. Michelle, K- all of them. They all Michael, weird Michael Bloomberg, who has no association with Baltimore whatsoever, might never come to a game. It's there holding the trophy. God bless you. What, I if, just, what if I John Angelos gets to hold, he, hold the trophy? He's going to be a senior advisor to the yeah. Orioles before the team. It'll be interesting to see what that means. Like that's one of the things that, like, I, we were talking about it yesterday. Was I could see that being like. You want to have a role where you can still be involved with like bringing concerts to the ballpark because we know that's been a passion of John Angelos's. I could see that being the type of thing where David Rubenstein says, "Hey, we got a role for you. If, you, if that's what this takes in order to make this work, we'll work with you there." I I do think it'll be interesting to see how much John Angelos is allowed to continue to be involved in whatever this ballpark complex might end up being because we know that's been something that he has been quite passionate about. I think the interesting part for David Rubenstein, one of the things that we've talked, we've done this on this show a few times with the Live Work Play. By the way, our number one of today's show is in the books. 
It was brought to you by the Green Turtle. Griffin, what's going on at the Green Turtle today? Uh, Green Turtle, if you're in Canton, uh, from 6 to 8, Jeremy Kahn is doing betting 101, and uh, as well every Thursday at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. You get a free $10 bet to use on whatever you'd like. I like the Tigers tonight, man. Towson Tigers laying seven points. Um, uh, so, so I would get on on that at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks. You can experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. So go check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Go pick up your free bet and make some money while enjoying some sports and food tonight at the Green Turtle. So I, as I keep kind of, I almost it's a danger that I'm repeating myself a little bit, and I apologize for that. But one of the things we talked about yesterday with Stan and Luke was that there's been a sheer geography problem in terms of what the Orioles are trying to do. And it will be interesting to see because I do agree that these ballpark villages have proven to be better sources of revenue. As much as we might snicker at them, and look, I would prefer it to not just be a, a, a shopping mall. I'd prefer it to not just be the avenue at White Marsh like, I, I would like for there to be some creative What's aspects of it. I, as a kid, when they opened the avenue, I was like 15 or so, and I lived in Perry Hall. King, I lived in Kingsville, but I went to Perry Hall High School. Um, and when they opened the avenue, it was like, we had never had anything like it. You got to understand, everything was an indoor, cold, stupid shopping mall at that point. So, like, opening up the avenue, we're like, what? Out, you can walk around outside? It's not as creepy when kids hang out outside as when they hang out inside of the shopping mall. Like, it feels less threatening. We had somewhere new to hang out. And then it worked for them because we didn't want to do that in the winter. In the winter, we had no interest. It was great for them. They were like, ha-ha, we fooled you. You're going to go back inside. Avenue was such a revelation at the time. Man, then years later, they put in a, an ice rink. An ice rink. What an idea. Anyway, I, I would... I, I just I hope it's not like a you know bad chain restaurants. Like I hope that there's more of a vision for this ballpark village than just yeah Fridays down there. Yeah, a hula hands. You know what I mean? Like I don't need that. Like let's let's think outside the box a little bit. Um, but the point is, there's a geography problem. Like John Angelos wanted to be given the parking lots, and everybody was like, yeah. The thing about that is, we need the parking lots. The uh, there's a football team. People tailgate. Frankly, you. You're going to hurt yourself in the process because people also like parking in the parking lots to come to baseball games. I, I, as much as we want to live in a utopian society where public transportation can be the answer, that's that's not. Have you have you been to Baltimore? People just, it's not the same thing. So, one of the things that we talked about is there's somewhere else. Where, where could you go geographically in order to find the space? And part of the problem is none of us want to see these like family-owned businesses near the ballpark be messed with. Like nobody wants to see pickles and sliders and you know the the places that we've known forever. It would be it would be ugly if those places were kind of for, bought out in it, by show of force. Like we're gonna get you out of here. We'll figure out what the number. We wouldn't want that. But is there other geography? Because I always said, like, commercial real estate, nobody really cares about. Like, nobody's going to be all that worked up about a, a chain of hotel 
being moved out of the way. And I just wonder if David Rubenstein, with more money and with the vision for this being an important thing, would be at all interested in, hey, if it requires us buying more of the, instead of it being given to us, which is what John Angelos was asking for, if it requires us buying some of this, is that something we could do? If you look more towards the other side, the hotel becomes problematic in all of this. I don't, I don't know yeah. what you do about the hotel. Maybe the city would be willing to sell the hotel to David Rubenstein, and Rubenstein could could make it, you know, part of this somehow. And then you expand out further to like where that um, Chipotle is and the Starbucks is and those buildings on the corners. That again, nobody is going to cry over the loss of things like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing, right? Like, there is no obvious answer here. But I do wonder if David Rubenstein, given his money would be more willing to say, hey, if what it takes in order to make this ballpark village come to fruition is buying properties instead of being given space that simply doesn't exist, we can talk about that. Or, you know, again, even if you want to use the what's sitting as the parking lots, but you could find space elsewhere. And again, I got to look at the, the maps and figure that out in order to build new parking lots. We can talk through all of these things. These conversations can be had. I just wonder if that will be part of this moving forward and what John Angelos's role specifically will be. But yeah, I mean, last couple of conversations would make you feel pretty good. Yeah, make you feel pretty yeah. good. What Ravens loss? I, I think I think a lot of people have been feeling that way. And then then it comes up again, and then people right. get mad one more time. That's the way that it goes. All right. Uh, it is a Thursday edition of GCR. When we come back in... Three carries to Gus Edwards. Why would you... Like, why? Because... Like, well, Everything was going fine. thinking about it. Why did you feel the need? So why upsetting. Did you, why did you feel the need? I assume, given our issues, we never reached out to Brian. Um, so, uh, he cannot do today. He can't do today. That's yeah, a bummer. It is. I guess we'll have to do next week. I always like... I, I really do always like having that sort of off-season... We just had so much going on this week that mm-hmm. it slipped my mind, so... Tell him I'm sorry. All right. Maybe Monday. Maybe we line that up. We come back in. Uh, what time is Jameer Young joining us? Um, He can join us in, uh, I, I said, in about five minutes. About five minutes. Perfect. That's yeah. exactly the time that we should chat with Jameer right, Young from the University of Maryland. Right here on Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. So the NFL head coaching hiring cycle is complete. The Washington Commanders will hire Dan Quinn as their next head coach. Of course, led the Falcons to a Super Bowl a few years ago. I don't remember uh, what happened. What the... The last I remember, they were doing pretty good. They were. They were in good shape. Tom Brady. Uh, Dan Quinn, of course, Salisbury legend. Dan Quinn uh, will be the uh, commander's head coach. Um, Of course, most recently, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, where things were going well right up until the end. (laughs) Right up until the last taste. So that's that. Anthony Weaver was uh, among the finalists. Mike McDonald had been among the finalists until he took the Seahawks job, but uh, Anthony Weaver will not be leaving for the commander's head coaching job. And so now we will find out if it will be Anthony Weaver as the Ravens' next defensive coordinator, one of their other internal candidates, or whether they'll look externally for the next, uh, whoever it's going to be that will replace Mike McDonald. But Dan Quinn will become the Washington commander's head coach as the head coaching cycle is finished. Griffin, what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel these days? Live Casino and Hotel, sports and social is the place to be for the big game. Uh, it features an on-site FanDuel location, and it will be your ultimate spot to watch the big game on the massive 100-foot media wall. 
So order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from our signature crushes and extensive beer selections, selections all just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. So watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Jonah Schaefer also points out that Anthony Weaver is still in consideration for the Dolphins defensive coordinator job as well. So something to monitor there. All right, we actually had to do this a little bit early on because of their schedule, getting ready for Michigan State on Saturday night, but an opportunity to catch up with Maryland star point guard Jameer Young right here on GCR. Well, joining us now here on GCR, what a season he has been having uh, at the University of Maryland where he's averaging over 20 points a game. One of the top scorers in the country. They're getting ready for a perhaps revenge game on Saturday against Michigan State. He is the pride of DeMatha. Jameer Young is with us now here on GCR. Jameer, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yes, hey, Glenn. Yes, appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Um, just excited for this final stretch. Uh, dude, I, first of all, I have to tell you, uh, my kids can't stop talking about you. Uh, we had a chance to bump into you in an event that Great Eights did uh, back in December, and my kids yeah. were getting ready. They they were um, they they wanted me to leave. I know it's not your fault that you got the <laughs> flu, but we came to the copping game, yeah. and they were like, "Well, if Jameer's not playing, we don't want to be here." <laughs> Come on, man. Um, I appreciate that. It's really kind of you, dude. Um, uh, yeah. Jameer, I, can you just sort of take me through? I, you and I have never talked about this, but this zone that you get into, and we've seen it a few times this year. The UCLA game stands out, obviously, when when everything is just working for you, and 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 where that comes from, like what you say, hey, I I've got to be that guy. I, I it's got to go through me. Where does it come from that you have that personality to just start taking things over? Yeah, so I mean, I would just say just with my experience, um, you know, being a leader, one of the oldest guys on the on the team, um, just just my will to win and you know, my competitive nature as well. So um, it that just all comes together. You know, I'll just do anything it takes to win at the end of the day. So um, that's where that really uh, comes from. And, you know, that's, that's, that's when I play my best. What is it like when you're in those moments? Like, do you almost black out? Like, just almost come unconscious? Like, you're a completely different person when you're in the zone like that? It's... Yeah, definitely a different person than I, than I am off the court. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just trying to win. Um, anything that it takes to win um, and just not taking no for an answer, that's that's when I get in that mode. It's so, and that's really... It, it, like, listening to you talk about it as well, because, like, having talked to you a few times, you, you're such a soft-spoken guy, you're, like, so polite, mm -hmm. you're so kind, and then it's almost like you turn into, like, a basketball psychopath in those moments. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, just, just from experience, yeah, just being... Um, you know, I was taught to be nice, you know, off the court, but when we get in between those lines, it's, it's on and, you know, just trying to win every game possible, um, uh, you know, deep in the season, this final stretch, just every game matters. So, um, I take it very seriously. The team takes it very seriously. So, um, that's where that comes from. Uh, he is Jameer Young. He is with us here. Do you have a favorite, like, do you have any particular shot? Because, you know, we've seen a few recently that were pretty special, like those back-to-back -back threes last week, but like. Do you have any one that you look back on and like, hey man, I, if I want to relive something, if I want to feel a moment again, that's the shot or that's the drive or that's the play that I think about. Yeah, I would say definitely Iowa. Yeah, five seconds, about five seconds, uh, just a game winning layup, just driving left to my strong hand, getting downhill, and creating something. That was that was a cool moment.
um, I it was a really cool moment, <laughs> and it was like <laughs> you know a- after you guys had fought to get back, and then the foul, like it, it almost felt yeah. like you were saying. Dude, no matter what, we're not losing this game. I, I don't care. I'll do anything. We're not losing this game. Yeah. Hey, man, it worked out. That that's the, the, yeah, that was, that was the mindset. That's, and it, it worked out really well. Jameer Young is with us here on GCR. Uh, you know, Jameer, obviously this season, I know coming off an NCAA tournament run, there was a, there was a reason why you wanted to come back this year. How The, the lumps that you guys took early on, what did you learn from that, and and how did you guys sort of right the ship? And I, and I know you'd rather, you know, even the ones that came up a bit short, you probably would have preferred yeah. to get them all. But like, how did you right the ship to start playing better basketball over the course of the last month? Well, it was really just you know going back to the drawing board, um, just looking back, uh, just losing games under five points, multiple games. Um, just nail biters. Um, just shows that we're we're not too far, um, whether that's just single possession away or a couple possessions away, a block out or, you know, a couple missed free throws. So um, just going back and pushing each other in practice and really just back to the drawing board and, you know, saying that we're right there uh, to keep fighting and to not give up. And, you know, it's turned around for us. And, you know, I feel like we're hitting our stride. And, you know, we've won last, the last four out of six. So, you know, I'm proud of this group. And we're just going to keep trying to uphill. What is it, you know, the, the line of being a leader, um, do you find yourself trying to demand more of the guys around you? Like, come on, man. Or, or do you, how do you handle that? Because we all know this is, this is the way the sports work. Not everybody is going to have an on night every night. How do you handle yeah. the line of what it is that you're asking of the guys that are around you? Um, yeah, I mean, it comes from uh, the preparation and, you know, in practice, we all are pushing each other to get better, better. So we're all ready for the moment when, you know, a guy's down or, you know, God forbid a guy gets hurt or, you know, it's an off night for somebody. It's, the mindset is next man got to step up. And um, last game, uh, we had great contributions from Jamie Kaiser and Jahari yeah. Long. And, yeah. You know, it was a team, team win. So, um, you know, I'm proud of our guys in the right direction. You bring up Jamie, obviously, in particular with the freshmen. I know it's been tough for those guys this season, right? Yeah. Like. What 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 is that like during the course of the year where you know they're freshmen, but like hey this yeah. is it for you you know like you don't you don't have time to wait two years to see what they're gonna end up being yeah. like what are those conversations like as you try to show patience with those guys knowing what it is they're capable of? Yeah, just so uh, like the freshman DHS and Jamie Carter, you know they're so talented, so skilled, um, and they have so much potential themselves, and you know they have some so many more opportunities like you said, but. You know, for me, it's just more of an encouraging encouragement uh, towards them and, you know, make, just picking them up when they're down because, you know, they're hard on, hard on themselves and they want to do well. They want to win as well. So um, just trying to keep the team together, um, keep everybody's spirits up, stay positive. Um, you know, they're working hard um, in practice and they're getting extra time. And so they're working on their game and, you know, it's going to show. So just telling them to stick with it, stay positive. Uh, Jameer Young is with us again. Maryland travels to Michigan State on Saturday, a game that'll be on Fox. Uh, Jameer, I, I bring up Michigan State. We all know what happened the first time, and how yeah. much does that that in particular stick with you guys? Because we saw in the second half, right? Like you know, it you, you you get rid of a couple of minutes in that game, and you outplay them. Like how much does that stick with you guys? Like we've got something to prove, and on top of that, knowing you guys got to stack some quality wins in order to start building up that resume. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a big this is a big one for us. Um, you know, a very talented Michigan State, very you know veteran team with a lot of great pieces. So and a great coach as well, who just picked up the seven hundredth win. So um, just us coming, um, just trying to just trying to grind it out. Uh, you know, they play faster when they're at their their arena. Um, it, this place is loud. It's it's tough place to play. So for us coming in there. Um, it's just, it's just the model just going to be to fight and just to stay together. Um, it's us against everybody. So um, we know how important this this game is. Um, I personally haven't beaten Michigan State while I've been hmm. in the Maryland uniform. So um, the last one, yeah, we lost by two points, um, came down to the wire. So um, it shows that you know we match up well with them, um, match up well with us. So um, it's going to be a good game. Um, you know, it, it's also like I, I keep thinking about all of these things, and you say you haven't won. Like that's kind of crazy to me. Um, are, are you are you the type when you go on the road that you feed off of it? I mean, we've seen it a few times. You brought up obviously Iowa. Like, do you kind of love? And, and hell, I know it was a lot, but you got you you know you played like crazy at Northwestern a couple weeks ago as well. Do you feed off of that type of energy when you're on the road? Does it? Does it like maybe drive you in a way like all right yeah 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 come on bring it bring it on I got yeah, something to show yeah. you yeah I'm actually starting to like it uh, last year with our struggles on the road um, it was difficult and me being able to you know in this off season just take a step back and you know look at the situation at hand and show that it's just a regular game um, we're just not at home so um, this year just game slowing down for me. And, um, you know, just not letting, you know, certain stuff get to me, whether that's fans just harassing us or, you know, how how loud the crowd gets. I'm just being able to stay poised and, you know, stay confident. Um, and now I do think, uh, it, uh, you know, it, it makes me go even harder. It makes me want to win. So um, I'm getting used to it. I've adjusted and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to like road games. It's cool. It's cool. Obviously, it worked out pretty well a few times, like the Illinois game this year. That worked out really well. Um, uh, Jameer, the, the, the way that you've been embraced by Maryland fans and I, and you know, your path to getting here, I, I know it's not over yet, right? You still have chapters to author, but have you started to, to think about what this has meant to you that you were able to come back home and play here and have the seasons that you've been having that are going to be remembered for a long time? Like these moments, Maryland fans will not be forgetting. Have you started to have a chance to reflect on, on really how special this time has been for you? You know, the season's flying by. I haven't really, you know, sorry, haven't had time to, you know, sit down and think about it. Um, yeah, we've uh, had some spectacular plays, spectacular moments. So um, just for me, just staying in the moment, um, just trying to play our best basketball going into March. So I haven't really uh, paid too much attention to it, but, you know, I'm just – you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity and grateful for how the fans have embraced me um, these last two years. So I'm um, just trying to be where my feet are and, you know, enjoy these last 10 games of the conference play and get ready. All right. I want I want to go inside your brain before I let you go. When you when it's late in the game and you're deciding whether you're going to go to the basket or you're going to pull up, like what what is the thought process? Is it something that you, you've thought two steps ahead on? Do you have to see how things unfold? I, this is just – you know, I, I'm talking to somebody at the height of their craft, and I've never really had this conversation. Like, what is the thought process about? I'm I'm attacking here versus I'm feeling it. I'm going to step back and let it fly. Uh, I mean, it just it just depends on how the game's flowing. Um, depends on the the time, uh, the shot clock, and you know, the actual score of the game. Say we're down two, I might step back for a three, or 
they uh, it's a tie game. The hole gets fouled, um, but um, just really just read uh, how the defense is playing me. Um, if they're going to uh, take away the drive, if they're in make up defense, or if they're sacking off a little bit, so they drive. So um, there's a lot of moves I can go to, a lot of go-to moves that I have, but um, I just react to how the defense is guarding me. Uh, it's been working out a whole heck of a lot, and it's been the right decision more often than it's not, man. Uh, Jameer Young, I got to tell you, it's it, and not only the fact that you were so kind to my kids, but just watching you play basketball is uh, is really a joy, man. Like it's uh, it's it, you're a, you're a hell of a fun player to watch play, and we can't wait to uh, see what's next for you guys and where this is going to take you the rest of the season. But really appreciate. It. I, I guess uh, can I plug anything for you? Uh, anything you got going on nil wise, social media? What all can I get plugs in for? Oh. Uh- not really, not not really anything right now. I'm really just focused on uh, playing. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say any, any anything nil wise, but um, just to tune in for our games and you know be excited for the rest of the season. I appreciate that, man. Jameer, congratulations on everything you've done so far. Uh, good luck on Saturday out at Michigan State, and look forward to chatting with you again down the road. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us, man. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate you having me too. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Thank you to Jameer Young for taking the time for us. It really was awkward because, like, five days before the Coppin game, maybe it was a a week before the Coppin game, we had been at um, the bowling party that Great Eights memorabilia threw, and Jameer Young came over and was playing with my kids, and it was it was really cool, and they were like, oh, we're going to go see Jameer play, and then we got there, and he had the flu. <laughs> Boys were devastated. Devastated. Maybe we'll get him back for another game. Uh, uh, very nice young man. And look, I, I talked about this a little bit last, last week. It's unfortunate if Maryland doesn't make some sort of run and get themselves in the NCAA tournament because I don't know that we'll remember Jameer Young as fondly 15 years from now. It's the shame, right? And I would say it's it's somewhat similar to like Melo Trimble, Anthony Cowan, who all had their moments. Like they all hit big shots and, you know, you appreciated how they played. I think Jameer Young has been actually a little bit better than those guys just because he's kind of had to. But it's hard to stand out. Like, you almost don't remember which one was Mello and which one was Anthony Cowan sometimes because, like, they never really accomplished anything so significant to separate themselves. Like, you remember them being, like, tough players, really good players, guys that you enjoyed watching, and you remember them hitting big shots Mm -hmm. in big... But you don't really remember... Like, like, I I know they, you know... I think it was Mellow beat Wisconsin at the button. That's like what I was going to say. I think it was Mellow. Like, you remember that? <laughs> but you you have that. Like, it takes yeah. you a second. You're like, right. was it Mellow or was it Cowan? Because they all kind of. Michigan State, I want to say, right? You know they did. Yeah. You know it. But, and at the time, you would have remembered it. You know, if we were in the middle of that season, we would be like, of course you remember that. But the just lack of overall accomplishments of signature, you know, postseason wins. Everyone will always remember John Gilchrist in Maryland basketball history because John Gilchrist won an ACC tournament because he put a team on his back and went and won three went and won three games in three days in Greensboro. 
different world. They were the sixth seed. If you're the sixth seed now, you don't get to play three games. You got to play a lot more than that. It's a different world for conference tournaments. Um, but it requires something like that to really stand out. Gravis Vazquez accomplished so many things that he stood out. In the post-Gary Williams era, you've yet to have a player that really separated themselves from the rest of them. So, until they do something notable, like that's really what it requires, is something notable in the postseason. And there was the one Sweet 16 team, but as I've pointed out constantly, that Sweet 16 team beat like South Dakota State and Valparaiso in order to get to the Sweet 16. Big wins. No, they were not. And they proceeded to turn around and get I drunk. mean, imagine if they lost to those teams. It's it's fair. I guess to the point that it could have been worse, yes, it could have <laughs> been worse. But you've yet to have a, a notable postseason accomplishment since Gary Williams. And really since, frankly, since winning the ACC tournament 20 years ago. Oh, that was 20 years ago. Hey, jeez. Hey, hey. Um, I mean, yeah, they've never been good in the Big Ten tournament. No, like no, not at all. They've never done anything that was memorable. Um, at least actually early in Mark Turgeon's tenure, they they made a run when they were a lower seed to the semifinals of the ACC tournament that. It stands out slightly, but only slightly. That's what it requires. It's what it requires to really separate yourself and be remembered more than just, hey, that was a hell of a player. You know, like, And again, we think of Melo Trimble that way. We think of a guy that was a hell of a player. By the way, you can play for two years. Patrick Stevens and I were talking about this the other day. You can play for a shorter time and still be recognized even in the rafters at Maryland. But you got to really accomplish notable things in order to do that. Jameer Young is one of the best players in the country. Unquestionably. But if Maryland doesn't sustain this, build a tournament resume, do something in the tournament. Man, you'd like to think of them as the like the Michigan State of a few years ago where you look at them in the middle of the year and you're like, they're pedestrian. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year they're a threat. I, that'd be awesome. Start getting some help. These guys start figuring it out a little bit. If Dante Scott wants to keep playing well. That, Jahari I, Long's hitting shots. Jahari Long's been... And if, Jay, if that... Was a coming out party for Jamie Kaiser. Yeah. God bless. I'm not. If is a, is doing a lot of work there. <laughs> I hope so. And more, I hope so for Jameer Young because he deserves to be remembered for a long time because his two years have been outstanding, absolutely awesome. Unfortunately, if the team doesn't accomplish more he'll probably sort of slip in. It might be that in seven years, we're like, was that Young, Trimble, or Cowan? Like that, I, I don't yeah. say that to be trite. I just, unfortunately, that's the nature of team basketball, like of, of team sports. Is that we, your accomplishments as a team will determine how much the individual players are remembered. All right. When we come back in, he had no idea this was coming. Uh-oh. Thought you got to name the counties or something? Fighting words. Oh, all right. Football season is ending. That's right. We're not. We're gonna do picks next week. But remember, we we just realized picks and fighting words was too much. And frankly, because we we're talking so much about football, it was yeah. too much. So we're doing a short version. Got it? Like this is like a. 
Okay. Like a three minute version. You're so catching you're, me oh, up on three minute version. You can't. Well, we got to talk about Royal Rumble and it's never. We never put professional wrestling in fighting words. Although we did a little. We did with when. With, well, when Charles was doing it, he was a. Uh, no, he did boxing and MMA. We never put pro. I would. I might. I, he, I feel like uh, we. All right, whatever. No, no, we weren't doing. It was that. all fight. It's fighting words. I, but right, the, there's actual. We do. I do a wrestling podcast. If people want that kind, I mean, if, if you want to talk about it, I don't know. I'll consider it. I'll consider the possibility of putting professional rep. I guess if there are stories, I don't think like results would be what I would want in right. there. But obviously, like the Vince McMahon story was a big oh, story yeah. last week. Yeah, like, well, I guess a, maybe we don't. If it, yeah, it's not pleasant. <laughs> sure as f isn't pleasant. I don't. I don't think Brock Lesnar is going to be showing up in WWE for a little while. I think uh, he might be sitting on the sidelines for a bit. Yeesh, yeesh, just bad, bad, bad. We'll talk about all of it next. Well, not all of it, but a little bit of it next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy. 
when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. We won't do it next week, but once football season is officially over, we will bring back fighting words. Griffin, it started with our friend Charles. What was that, Charles? Did we ever have a nickname for Charles when he was here? Uh, Prince, I think. was that Prince was that Charles, was yeah, that what it was? I think that's what we called yeah, him. Yeah, because I didn't want yeah. to be King Charles. That didn't work. Prince Charles, Charles Greer, who I believe I saw led all of college football, any level, in block kicks. Really? This season. Wow. Yeah, good Shout for our, our buddy Charles. Um, so when Charles was here, like all interns, we gave him the assignment. You can have a segment. It's yours. you got to prepare it. you got to curate it, the whole thing. He wanted it to be about um, fights, and so we called it Fighting Words, and Griffin was jealous. His Griffin's a big fight fan, and every week he was, like, pouncing a little bit more. <laughs> and then when Charles left, he was like, can I have it back? Can it be mine? Can I have it? I was like, yes, Griffin, settle down. Stop humping my leg. That's very weird. You may have Fighting Words. The Stop. problem is, ah, it's weird. I mean, once we get into football season, there's just not a whole lot of time. Right. So now the football season is going to be over. While we'll be talking lots of baseball in baseball season, we think there'll be a little bit more room to bring back fighting words. So we're just going to do a, a tease, and then two weeks from today, it'll be back into the rotation, fighting words until football season again, at which point none of the other sports matter. No offense. It's just the way that it goes. I mean, it was worse because when, when the football season began, the Orioles were also in the throes of what we thought might be a run to the World Series. So... There was really no room for anything else. But uh, all right, so tell me, give me just a couple of. Right, I think I got to hit the bed, big, right? Big. St- oh yeah, by all means. It's fighting words with Griffin Bats. There we go. Fighting right. words, actually, I'm going to say, is brought to you by Superbook. Ah. I, part of the reason why I thought of it again is I was playing around at Superbook. They've got some cool bets available on the MMA page at Superbook. Like you can bet who's going to be oh, like each, future fights each division's and, champion at the end of the year. At the end of the year. Oh, interesting. Right. Maybe I so can come like, back in two weeks and we'll have a like John Jones is the favorite to be heavyweight champion at the end of the year, plus one seventy five. Tom Aspinall second at plus two hundred. You can bet who's going to be the the champion of every division so at the end of the just year. It's a tough one because is John Jones even going to fight? Like that's where where is should. he where, as far as his he um, uh well what he had I think it was a pec injury and I want to say he got surgery like right before he was supposed to fight in November right um in so New York. yeah I don't know if he's injured I mean you know he's John Jones he can do whatever he wants I, I would assume he's interested in coming back at some point but like I don't know if he'd want to fight Tom Aspinall just because no offense to Tom Aspinall you know not many people not a big yeah, yeah but if you know he were to fight Stipe. Right. That would be big, a bigger draw. Definitely worth it to him. Steep is coming to live casino and hotel. That's true. Yeah. When is that? Yes. Are you, uh, that is. Are you stalking it? Running, you? Yeah. So it's yeah, uh, right. February seventeenth, I believe. Griffin, <laughs> Griffin's looking for a Valentine's date that's very specifically interested. <laughs> Hi there, Miss. I'm Griffin Bass. Could I take you out for Valentine's Day this year? Do you want to meet Steep? Sure. Okay, well, if you want to go out on uh, the Saturday night, because nobody wants to go out on Wednesday. Like, who wants to do that? If you want to go out on Saturday night, uh, kind of specific plans. <laughs> Tell me what you think about this. Um, you could also, as uh, Griffin was pointing out, uh, you can bet on potential fights. Some fights, we don't even know if they're happening. Yeah. Conor McGregor is supposed to fight Michael Chandler for, like, Three I, years at this point. I don't know when Connor. I don't think Connor's. Uh, if I had to, uh, the bet should be will Connor fight this year? I understand that, but that's like, not Griffin. You're you're not helping. We're talking about Superbook. You're right. We gotta have. We really gotta work with you on this. 
we really got to have a conversation. Wow, he's even it. money with Michael Chandler. Interesting. If Conor McGregor fights Michael Chandler this year. Now, these bets all die. If the fight doesn't happen, then you just get your money back at the end of the year. But if the fight were to happen this year, as Griffin just pointed Ooh. out, it's even money. You're looking at the Bo Nickel one? I'm looking at yeah, the Bo Nickel one. Definitely looking at the, I knew you were looking at the Bo Nickel one. <laughs> Bo Nickel to fight uh, Kamzat. It was Kamzat. Kamzat. Chemaev. Chemaev. Yes. Um, right now, Chemaev would be a minus 210 favorite. So Crazy. If you just want to have some fun, put some money down on something because you want it to happen, you can do that at Superbook, superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 on a same-day first bet match, win or lose. All right, a couple of headlines. A um, little bit of a lull in the UFC right now. Uh, next, The next pay-per-view will be on February 17th. It is uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Ilya Teporia at the, for the featherweight belt. Um, that should be a good one. Um, I mean, you know, the Robert Whitaker is on the card. Uh, Marab Divalishvili is fighting uh, Henry Cejudo. On that one as well. Uh, Mackenzie Dern's one of my favorites. She's on that card. You know, the next couple fight nights, like this weekend, this weekend's card is is not not good this weekend. It's uh, Roman Delize and uh, Nazardine Imavov. There's just no one. Drew Dober is on the is the uh, is the co-main event. That's the only one I'm really interested in there. Just kind of a little, really all the conversation in the UFC right now is still just kind of looking ahead to the UFC 300, which is uh, in April. And right now that one is very stacked. Um, the, the kind of the, they haven't announced a main event, which is kind of weird. Um, but if you look at the card, like every single fight on the card could be like a, it would be a, a banger of like a fight night. Uh, okay. uh, if it were to headline a fight night, because you got like Justin Gagey is fighting Max Holloway mm-hmm. for the, I believe that's going to be for the BMF belt. I think they should just make that the main event. Like I think that'll be enough. Justin Gage, like just, it's Justin Gagey, Max Holloway. I think people would care about that. Uh, Charles Oliveira is going to fight there. I just don't there. care about the BMF belt. It's not a real thing. I know, but it, again, like, I don't I, care about it in pro wrestling. And pro wrestling, if they have not two real, really good guys fighting, I, that, I'm again, interested. I get, I get yeah. your idea of it's just a good fight. Mm-hmm. I'm all in on that. Lesson, I just, you can't get me to give a rat's but ass because about they the want, BMF belt. It's not a thing because they want a pay per view to have a a a title. Be, you know, a title yeah. be the be the headline. Yeah, just make need, that your title. It needs to be a title. It needs to be an actual championship. Um, Yuri Prohaska is going to fight on that card as well. He's going to he's going to I mean, he's an underdog right now at Alexander Rakic, which, which I can't believe. Kayla Harrison is set to make That's her right. UFC debut. Judo gold medalist. Exactly. She will. Uh, oh man, she's going to murder Holly Holm. <laughs> oh wow. That's a hell of a like. This is a good card. What are you talking Holly about? Holly Holm's forty two. I know, like, but that's it's a name. Like that's, yeah, that's an, yeah. an intriguing card. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I, your point is well taken, which it's is a like, very good card. I, I. But it's the thing I should hate, right? Like. And by the way, I won't be purchasing it. Let me make that abundantly clear. Bo Nickel's gonna fight. I, I get it. We're all in on Bo Nickel. I understand that. Um, so UFC 300 is really what everyone's looking for, looking at right now in the UFC, waiting to see what the uh, the main event will be announced there. Um, boxing wise, not a whole ton. On Thursday night, Teofimo uh, Lopez will be fighting. Uh, uh, Tonight's Thursday night. Sorry, next Thursday. I'm like what the hell? I'm just looking, I'm trying to trying to give you the trying to give you the headlines. Well, It'll the be Fury, a top rank. The It'll Fury be a top fights rank. in a couple weeks, right? Um, is it? When's yeah, Fury I think I think that's in. It might be the same night as the UFC pay per view, actually. Oh uh, no, because really? it's in. That, uh, the Fury fights in Saudi Arabia, so I'm gonna guess that's an afterno- it's an afternoon deal or a, maybe a morning deal, mm-hmm. and then oh he's gonna fight that. Usyk. Yeah, let's see what that's the yeah they're 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 saying February seventeenth. Okay, all right. So I'm all guessing right. that's earlier in the day. Uh, I would assume it has to be. Yeah. Um, the latest news I see is, is uh, uh, Leonard Ellerby apparently is saying that Tank Davis and uh, Devin Haney is not gonna happen. I don't know if Tank's gonna fight. Just kind of like to have him fight at some point. Yeah, nice. yeah. Um, I'm trying to try to find the time here for uh for for the Usyk uh 
for the Usyk uh, Tyson Fury. But yeah, I mean that'll be a good. So yeah, February seventeenth. That'll be a big day. Spend spend the whole day over it live. That you would know? be that would be the week that we would be returning the fighting words. So this kind of works out perfectly. Yes. They yes. they understand. They do understand that like football is over. People now, are bringing back the fighting now, words, and uh, people are looking for events. It's this is the reality post football is that like you're just looking for anything that feels significant. And I say this with all due respect to the NBA. I watched the Suns-Nets game, or at least some of the Suns-Nets game, last night when I got home. But you can't make any of these NBA games feel significant until, like, the Lakers-Warriors thing from Saturday night was great if you turned it on in the fourth quarter. If you turned it on in the fourth quarter, it was wildly entertaining. But to sit down, to talk about an event for a couple of days, be excited about that event, you, you just can't. Only football can provide that. Or events, fights, the Masters, things along those lines. So smart that the immediate week after football season ends, they're trying to say, let's replace everybody likes events. Let's give them events. Let's try to create that. But then, you know, the week after that, what do you have? Yeah. yeah. So this will be Tyson Fury's first fight since uh, barely escaping Francis Ngannou back in October. And who kn- I I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not doing it. Okay. You're not getting. You're not baiting right. me today. Uh, you did the quick uh, highlight. Who who won? Uh, who won the Royal Rumble? It was uh oh Cody, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. Cody Rhodes Cody did Rhodes. win. And because there's two Royal Rumbles, there's a women's Royal Rumble as well. Help me out. Rhea Ripley. Bailey. Ah. Bailey won the women's Royal Good for Rumble. Bailey. The uh, the big storylines were that Jade Cargill showed up, mm. finally uh, made her debut. Who, if you've never seen Jade Cargill, just go ahead and take a look, and you'll understand. Be like, oh, she doesn't look like everybody else. She does not. Um, and she she lost. Well, she didn't win the Royal Rumble. No, okay. I guess but Royal Rumble's tough there to were win. moments within the match where it looked like they were setting up for her versus Bianca Belair. And again, if you mm. know what Bianca Belair looks like, who I believe uh, they have a Hulu show now or something like that. Yes, she yeah, had, yeah. Uh, I think it's coming out. Montez uh, Ford, maybe. I had it on. Uh, Is her husband? Totally too. Jake Cargill married to a uh, former uh, Cleveland baseball player. Brandon Phillips. Phillips. Wow. Yep. How about that? But Jay Cargill, just you just look at her and you're like, yep, whatever she's doing. I, I, whatever it is, you got me. She and Bianca Belair, that would be box office. Like, just put that up on a poster and everybody would say, yeah, that's different. We've never seen that before. All in. So, so the only thing we're waiting for is, like, who's going to headline WrestleMania against... No, it'd be Cody Rhodes, uh, Roman Reigns. Okay, yeah. it definitely will. Well, Seth freaking Rollins was tr- was trying to make a right. <laughs> Griffin, I had WWE Raw on in the background the other day, so I don't really even watch wrestling anymore. I just put it on in the background, so I have a general. It's whenever like we do the podcast, yeah. like I'm doing my work, and Griffin's staring. Like Griffin's up at the screen, like, like, and then I swear to God, like whoever the announcer, Michael Cole or who Pat McAfee was like, hey, you know, he made a compelling argument, and Griffin from the other side of the room, did he? Why Did would he, he? Why would he not? Like, what is the tribal chief? You can you know? host. You can host. Uh, yeah. Jobbing out. Go right ahead. I'll just drop the five guys I know. You know, over and over. Speaking of which, I could go for a burger. Um. Yeah. 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 Um. I mean, yeah. I can keep talking about UFC 300. It's just no, kind no, of a little good. bit of we're, a lall right we're now. Good. In, we're good in the UFC. You, you gotta, got got us moment. caught up. That's fine. Yeah. Slow start the, uh, Sean Strickland lost to Drikas Duplessis a couple I, weeks I, ago. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't yeah. want to talk about it. Well, Duplessis that. won, so. I, it's, I don't want to see him lose. I don't want to see him. I don't. I, I, there are other. There are conversations. I think that's the hope. That, They're hoping Duplessis might jump, as, jump out as the headline for UFC, 
300 against Izzy or, or somebody else. And, okay. Uh, okay. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Middleweight. So that's, 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 the, that is the news. Very good. Thank you very much. That was Fighting Words. We'll do uh, Fighting Words every Thursday starting in two weeks. All right. Today's show has also been brought to you by, ooh, Toyota. And I can tell you that if you think you know high school basketball, you should go to countysportszone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard. Only at countysportszone.com presented by your local Toyota dealers. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the Green Turtle. What's going on today at the Green Turtle, Griffin? Green Turtle. If you're in Canton, if you go down to Canton from 6 to 8, Jeremy Kahn is uh, doing Betting 101, and he'll uh, he'll help you get ready and understand all the all the props that are coming up for the big game in a, in a couple weeks here um, uh, because they have the live NBA, in person. The NBA All-Star Game. Right, yes, yeah, the NBA All-Star Game. Um, you know the celebrity match. Got to know. Got to got to know the got to know the way to lean there. Uh, but they have live in person betting now, and every Thursday the Green Turtle Sportsbooks are offering a free ten dollar bet in Towson and Canton, and you can use it on whatever you like. Again, I'm telling you, I like Towson tonight uh, against Northeastern, uh, and at the Green Turtle you experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in person. And you'll betting. be able to watch the game exactly because yeah, it'll true. be on television. Yes, you can watch yes. the game or go. They are home today. Yes, correct. It's right down the street, but we're of course trying to promote the Green Turtle. Go, go make. Your bet, and get, then, get get an appetizer, get and, some food, and then come back afterwards. Is what right? You're exactly. Saying, yeah. Thing. Celebrate right. the win. Right. Cash out your bet. Right. You know. All right. It's, it's the whole thing. You're gonna be there tonight. You're I will to be game? at the game. Yeah. Excellent. Check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sports Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Go pick up your free bet. Make some money while enjoying some food and sports tonight. All right, what you got for tidbits? Um, you know, again, I don't want to do any of the Travis Kelsey Pat Mahomes stuff yet. So this was one I had I, last I, week. I, by the way, I'm oh. sorry, I don't have it in me. I just don't care. And I mean that with all due respect. They're scumbags. I, it's a, I, man, I actually feel bad. Josh was texting me about it last night, and I never got back to him. I'm a jerk. I'm a bad person. You are. Uh, I'm really stressed. My lacrosse season starts on Saturday, and I'm trying to cram a lot of prep into a short amount of time. And so I'm just sort of blanking on everybody. Like, this was the week that I... I Why are they still talking about it? I don't understand. They, I don't actually care. That's, I want to start with that. Personally, Glenn Clark, well, I don't actually care about any of it. Let me add to it. I'll add to that. Truth is, you win the game, you get to talk ass. That's the way that it goes. And we have to deal with that. That's It's just the nature of the beast. You win a game, you get to run your mouth afterwards. That doesn't require anybody in Baltimore to like it. And I've had a lot of people say, I can't believe that I'm at the point where I, I'm going to root, I'm, I'm going to find myself rooting for San Francisco. Fine. I, I, I'm with it. I still think I'm going to mostly be indifferent. I said before, like, I don't really have a lot of connections. This is not a Super Bowl where I, like, know. Like, last year, I was really happy for Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams is a guy that I got to know personally. I really liked. Was a hell of a player. I felt really good for Brandon Williams last year. Which isn't to say that, like, I was a Chiefs fan. It was more like, as the game was going on, I was like, man, I hope Brandon Williams gets a ring out of this. I love that guy. Like, really love that guy. I don't have anyone involved in this game that I have. I mean, I Dan Williams, the former Stevenson quarterback, is a friend of mine and is mm, on the yeah, coaching staff in Kansas City. So, like, but he's already got two rings. It's not the same. Like, I, if he really and his was, job didn't, it's not like he's the offensive coordinator this year, so it would be a different, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's still, I think, quality control. So, 
it doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Although I love Dan, he's a great guy. Um, was a hell of a player during his time at Stevenson, and I really really happy for him and the success that he's found. I liked Kyle Juszczyk. I got along with Kyle Juszczyk when he was in Baltimore. Nice player, good guy. You know, was fun. I remember doing a piece. He was, like, openly campaigning to try to be on the Olympic handball team. And I did a silly story about it. And then I reached out to, like, USA Handball, and they were like, could you get us in touch with him? Like, USA Handball is such... We, nobody in this country thinks about handball at all, no. right? And then you get to the Olympics, and you see it, and you're like, that's kind of fun. Why don't we do that? And that's what happens with the athletes watching. They're like, we could do that. And that's what Kyle Juszczyk was doing. He was sitting at home watching the Olympics like the rest of us were. And he was like, I could do that. And I wanted to just have a fun story about it. And so I just wanted to reach out, like, expecting that the, the folks at USA Handball would say, okay, we appreciate their interest in the sport, but obviously you have to be a, a lifelong handball player. It was the exact opposite of that. The USA Handball response was, Please help us get in touch. We could use the help. And I was like, and so it ended up being a fun story that people enjoyed, right? And I asked other guys in luck. I like Kyle Juszczyk. Am I, do I like him the way I like Brandon Williams? No. He didn't have, I, I, I the Niners are much more likable to me at, uh, at, this, at this point right now. At the moment, I get yeah. it. At the moment, I understand that. Two days ago, I mean, like, I find Nick Bosa to be particularly unlikable. Like it's fair, almost significantly, and the unlikable. Ravens beat him. So you, you can there's say, a little bit of that, but that doesn't. What does that do for you, right? Like, well, that, all that really does is it leads people to being like, yeah, "This is proof the regular season doesn't matter." You know, like this mm-hmm. leans back to that. So I don't know, but I, I don't know that I can tell you that I'll be rooting for the 49ers because of the antics of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. But I get it. I understand why it's left bad taste in me. I just don't. I'm dissociated from it. It's over. The game ended. I, I I think it's it's kind of comical, like how obsessed they were with it. Like we we're gonna run out of the field and get a fifteen yard penalty if you missed the kick. Like, dude, what? It, but in fairness, anybody's looking for an edge. That's I I gotta be there. You can say they're weirdos, but the truth is, like, Ravens players try to use some of that stuff too. Everybody's looking for whatever stupid emotional edge they can come up with, as fake and as forced as it might be. We everybody in this town was thought that Pat Mahomes' trainer was a loser last week, but you know what? This is Steve Smith made a life out of this. You loved it when he was your guy. Steve Smith would take nothing and be antagonistic about it. One day, I said on the radio, "I haven't been out to practice yet. I don't know what Steve Smith's role is in the offense." And Steve Smith went to Twitter cursing me. All I said was, I don't know. You don't know what my role is? Really? Bro. But that's who he was. He. Well, yeah. you should have been more careful. Yeah, so. clearly. I swear to God. The, the, uh, the, the person that was my employer at the time was like, what are you doing? Picking fights with Steve? So I'm like, <laughs> shut the F up. Like, should have seen the writing on the wall there. Are you out of your mind? You have no idea what you're talking about, Chief. You are talking out of your ass. I am not picking fights with Steve Smith. I'd lose. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. Um, 
But that's he needed that. That was the way he operated. He had any anything. You'd walk into him today. You'd be like, um, "Hey, man, uh, it's a good day today." Is it? Is it? It was just who he was. And when he was on your team, everybody thought, "Oh, Steve Smith should have been a Raven his entire life." This is how people are sometimes. I get it. It's rubbing me the wrong way too. But the truth is, I don't actually care because the Ravens aren't involved in the Super Bowl and. I'm just kind of disconnected. I think at this point I'll probably say I would prefer if the 49ers won, but it's mild. It's mild. I don't – there's nothing embraceable to me. I guess the Brock Purdy – the truth is, like, I'm very – I still don't, I don't know how to feel about Brock Purdy I'm yet. very close friends I mean, I guess he's... with, like, someone who's in Brock Purdy's inner circle. Mm. I think everybody – uh, uh, my one of my former co-hosts in Arizona is a former NFL quarterback named Dan Minucci. He's appeared on this show a lot of times whenever we've had a Ravens car when the Ravens played the Cardinals he was on with us earlier he literally has trained Brock Purdy since Brock Purdy was like you know 10 years old is part of the Brock Purdy inner circle and so like there's a part of me that w- would feel good for my buddy Dan like I'd be like yeah it's cool right but I don't to your point I don't really know how I feel about Brock Purdy either I've kind of been it's always been weird to me like there was this bit going on where like people were trying to make it seem like Brock Purdy was better than Lamar Jackson and it's just insanity. So I I've never like embraced Brock Purdy, but I also do get it. The story of a the last pick of the draft turning into a Super Bowl winner. That's Did you see that apparently Tom Brady was doing an interview the other day where he claimed that he was undrafted? <laughs> you got to you got to look up that's, Tom that's Brady it, undrafted. It might have been on McAfee. Tom Brady was on somewhere. And I, I don't know if he was com- like talking about Brock Purdy, but like he said, I, you know, I know a thing or two. I was undrafted. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> like, wh- what? There's part of that edge thing that you like. Know. You weren't, and maybe it wasn't a Brock, 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 Brock Purdy because that wouldn't make sense. He wasn't undrafted either. Like I don't know what he was talking about, but he he just claimed that he was undrafted. Like, what kind of gaslighting is this? And it might be that he just said it the wrong way. Like, he was just trying. He was trying to say, "I was lowly drafted," and he just said the wrong thing. And it w- no harm was meant by it. He wasn't trying to create a new reality, but it was weird. Like, bro, you're you're Tom Brady. Like, if another person makes that mistake, all good. You know where you were drafted. Like. Somebody else might not, but you know where you were selected. What the All hell right. happened? I think here? I have the clip right. here. If, if it is, if, if it is not. I, I, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. This isn't the clip. Nope, then never mind. Yeah. You can find it. It's out yeah. there. Just search Tom Brady undrafted, and you'll come up with it. If you go to – I think it was on Awful Announcing is where I found it. But Yeah. Well, I, well there's like a two-minute video here, and I can't guarantee oh, where that it's in the there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not listening to two minutes of the pen. Sorry. I'm not doing that. <laughs> God bless. Find it on your own. You're adults. I believe in you. Anyway, you were saying something about Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, I'm not doing a tidbit about that. <laughs> what happened there? Uh, it's Todd Helton, as we all know, was uh, went into the hall that, or was what, elected. What happened two weeks ago? I don't want to talk about Travis. Kelsey I understand, anymore. but like I didn't get to this. That's one. what I you pivoted to. Was ten day old news? Uh, he is the seven. He was the seventh player, or there is only seven players. He is one of seven players in baseball history to have. Multiple seasons of 400 total bases. There are only seven players with multiple seasons of 400 total bases. Helton is one of them with two. 
I'm going to say Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds only had one. You always forget that Barry Bonds never had another 50 home run season. So that's it's noteworthy. That's why I didn't make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's that's the reason. That's the reason. All right. Um, how about Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth, yes. Twice. Two seasons such. Albert Pujols. Uh nope. Not not Albert Pujols. How about In fact there's only like twenty guys that have ever even done it. Really? Yeah. It's kind of surprising, right? Albert Pujols has not done it. Has not had 400 bases. How about? Should we name an old-timey baseball guy? Um, yes. Cap LaJoy or Nap? Le- <laughs> no, not Nap. Cap Anson and Nap yeah. LaJoy are two Neither. different people that I just made into the same person. <laughs> Duke Snyder, not Duke. Mel Ott, not Mel. Rocky Calavito. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to us doing the MSR? Oh yeah, you're right. Whatever happened to that? That son of a bitch. Did you remind him of that? (laughs) Okay, I will. Is he still doing stuff for us? Yeah, he should be. Is he? Yeah. You're the one that's supposed to be managing We we were doing a lot last week when we had, you know, we had a good 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 week last week for a football game. Well, what about this week? Um, I've been too bummed out. No, (laughs) not acceptable. I'll get back on it. (laughs) I was really excited about AMSR videos about the the naming old timey baseball players. I I'll do it if he wants me to. I'll be the one. Okay. We'll we'll nap. Joy. Duke, Snyder, Rocky, Calavita. Not on the list. Rogers, Hornsby. On the list. He's done it twice. Rogers, Hornsby. Eddie Matthews. No, not Eddie. (laughs) Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig has the most all-time. Really? Five seasons. Jesus. Of 400 total bases. Yeah. Um... Wow, how about Hack Wilson? Not Hack Wilson. Hack Wilson did do it once, though. Did he? Yes. Well, he had the uh, record before Sammy Sosa. That's I, Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa. Really? On the list, has done it twice. 400 total bases. I'm assuming Mark McGuire didn't because he didn't. He hit home runs and nothing else. <laughs> um. Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox on the list. I love naming old-timey baseball Missing players. one more. This one's – he is an old-timey baseball player, but he doesn't really have, like, that old-timey baseball player name just because, I don't know. You, I mean, he's, he's in the Hall of Fame, obviously, but I don't really have many hints about – to, 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 he was a Philly. He was a Philly. He had three, well, that can only be so old-timey. He had three separate – uh, he was with the Phillies. He had three separate stints with the Phillies. That all were lo- that each were five years. I have no I idea. Know. He was a pirate and a cub in between there. When? Uh, nineteen twenty-eight to nineteen forty-four was his career. Christ, I I have no clue. Chuck Klein. I have no idea who Chuck Klein yeah. is. Chuck Klein. I've three never seasons. heard that name in my life. Four hundred total bases. Chuck. Klein. There you go. I got to work on my MSR if I'm going to do it. <laughs> I got to work on. How does it? How does it normally? Chuck Klein. That's is it? No, that seems too. Yeah, I guess that's a little. I think it's because it's got to be more soothing than that. Yeah. Chuck Klein. 
What what are you? Mel Rogers Hornsby. I still feel like you're giving it too much echo. I still yeah, I feel like so. it's still supposed to it's supposed to be soothing. People want to hear this. A soothing reading of old Stan tiny baseball names. Musial. I still think you need more soothing. Okay. Because I don't have more a soothing, soothing enough voice. No, I just think you're... that you're doing too you're creating too much of the Chuck That I think is closer. With maybe the whisper. a little too soft. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I think it's closer. All right, very good. <laughs> We gotta work on this. That was a good idea. That was Drew thinks his idea is a million dollar idea. Old timey baseball AMSR is a million dollar idea. Hal Trotsky Senior. I think that was too biting. Mm. Babe Herman. Well, you would have to say Babe. Babe Herman. Babe Herman. Is there's a different person that was Babe Herman than George Herman Babe Ruth? Yeah. Played for the Robins. He had one ah. season of 400. Oh, if you had said that at the beginning. The Brooklyn Robins. Definitely would have gotten it. All right. Tidbit was also brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town. Read more at PressBoxOnline.com. It is our annual best of issue. Tubular is brought to you by Goose Flights, available all sorts of places. Cans available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill here in the state of Maryland. Alonzo's in Roland Park. Green Turtle Sportsbook in Canton. Cans and six-packs available at Guilford All Brewery and Station North, Costas Inn in Dundalk. Six-packs and cases available at the Wine Source in Hamden. $198 from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation and the work they're doing to continue Tony Saragusa's legacy by providing non-emergency medical transport to those in need. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights about where you can pick up your can today. And we are continuing to work on uh, uh, drawing that footprint out further as much as we possibly can uh, in this first run of Goose Flights. All right, here's what's coming up. Totally tubular this evening. As we've mentioned a couple of times, Towson hosts Northeastern. You can watch the game on Monumental at 7 o'clock. UMBC's at Bryant at 7 on ESPN+. Plus. Big Ten Hoops tonight, Wisconsin-Nebraska, 8.30 on BTN. All the rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, whatever they do on – this is NHL All-Star Weekend, apparently. Oh, and okay. there's an NHL All-Star Thursday. What does that mean? Skills challenge stuff? Nope, that's on Friday. Oh. I couldn't possibly tell you what NHL All-Star Thursday is, but it's at 6 o'clock on ESPN tonight, followed cool. by – the no, probably not. Followed by the Pro Bowl game skills showdown. Oh, also cool. No, I, not at all. I don't know if any of the Ravens are involved with tic tac toe or whatever, water balloon throwing or whatever. Whatever their stupid <laughs> stuff they're doing, but they're doing. Where it. Are they? They're Orlando. Uh, no, they're yeah, they're in Orlando. Okay. Yes, correct. They're in Orlando. It's night at seven on ESPN. Uh, TNT Lakers Celtics seven thirty. Seventy Sixers Jazz at ten. USA Network for Wolverhampton Wanderers, Man U at 3.15. Golf Channel, round one of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am at 3 o'clock. NFL Network tonight, the East-West Shrine Bowl, Talia Tungavailoa, Tarheeb Still, among four Maryland players that are part of it. I just have forgotten who the other two were, so I'm sorry I would tell you, but I, I forgot. That's just the reality of the circumstances. Uh, but that's tonight at 8 on NFL Network. ESPNU for Senior Bowl practice today at 1 o'clock. Access TV for TNA Impact tonight at 8, which I kind of have to care about now because my buddy AJ is signed to TNA. So bad news for your boy. Jaquan Shepard. Okay. And uh, Iyedzi. Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. Gottlieb. Yeah, Iyedzi. Yes. Iyedzi. Yes. Those are the other two, thank you, that are part of the Shrine Bowl tonight. 
Non-sports. On Fox, uh, after Next Level Chef, uh, Farmer Wants a Wife, ah. season two premiere ah. at 9 o'clock on Fox. Yeah. And then um, so nothing, new episode, then? Of, the, new episode you... of The Traitors on Peacock yep. at 9 o'clock as so well. Nothing. Larry David will be on Seth Meyers. Uh, uh, season is 12 Curb of, this week? Curb is Sunday night. Ah. Curb is back Sunday night. You finally have something to look forward to. <laughs> Um, and then the cast of Dune 2 will be on Jimmy Kimmel tonight because Dune comes out in March, so they're getting way ahead of it, okay. I guess. And John Cena is going to be on uh, Stephen Colbert. What's he in? What's he playing? Um, I don't know. Oh, uh, The Kick of Destiny. <laughs> I think actually Ricky Stenicki or whatever that movie oh, is. Oh, right. When yeah. does that come out? I think that's also in March. I don't know why everyone... Okay. seems like a right. slow month, I guess. You know what I finally watched uh, that I hadn't watched before that won a bunch of uh, awards was... Uh, well, actually, two things that uh, won awards. I watched The Holdovers, oh, Paul yes. Giamatti. Fantastic. Lovely film. Lovely film. It's not perfect, but it's I like it's it so pleasant that it makes up for its shortcomings. Like it, It's a lovely, lovely film. What were the shortcomings? Um, the ending was meh. Like, you you I didn't guess. really get anything out of it. Like, you didn't... He's writing, you, his, he's writing his monolith for... <laughs> I understand, but, like, you turn the guy face during the course of the film only for him to just... To kind of be there like you just didn't get out of it what you wanted out of it you wanted him to to to, to win in the end and he didn't really well he's done he's yeah he's gonna live life and, and there was a lot of like hopefully. there was a lot of will they won't they during the course of the film that never had a payoff either and like i i don't always need like somebody to fall in love at the end of a movie but you danced with that a lot during the course of the film and never paid any of it off like it was just always still awkward like I guess I gave away the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. It's been out for a while. I don't feel bad about that. I did watch The Holdovers, and then I watched uh, Beef on uh, Netflix. I oh, have okay. not watched that yet. That one. Stephen uh, Yoon, right? Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong, um, who won like every Golden Globe and Jeez. Emmy but for for a limited series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a one, one-time deal, Beef. The soundtrack is bonkers. Bonkers soundtrack. They paid a lot of money for a lot of uh, 90s alternative uh, music. Well worth it. It added a lot to Beef. Beef was good. It was good. I mean, it's... I say it's good. It's it's dark. It's good. That's the... Is that the road... No. That's the road rage okay. one. Yep. Starts right. with the road rage right. thing and then... Goes. Yep. Ten episodes. Ten episodes from one road rage, rage incident. It's, it's good. I really... It's a really well-made show or whatever you want to call it. So... I watch those, so I'm ready for something else. Loving uh, WWE is tomorrow night on Hulu, or I guess tomorrow. Okay, that's the Bianca. Bianca Bel- Montez. Montez. I probably will pass. It's a reality but show following your two favorites. I like them, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I will probably pass. I feel like there was something else that I was going to dive into. Oh, I never. Uh, I started the season two of Loki, but I haven't finished that. Mm, I need to oh, do I that. I need to start Loki. And then I need yeah. to remember... What other Marvel shows I wasn't watching that I should go? By. I, we were, I've decided. I think I'm just going to stick with, I don't know, the ones I want. So we and just pick up. We never where went I can. to the theater to see the Marvels, and so when we were on the when we were on the boat, <laughs> oh. they were they had a movie theater on the boat, and they would show like recent Disney films in the movie theater. So like the kids went and watched Wish with my uh, with their grandmother, and they were showing the Marvels. We're like, well, we never watched it. We might as well, right? So we got out of it. We were like, we were glad we didn't pay money. I, so I don't I, know what's happening. I want to be nice about it because they're like the worst people you know just want to kill movies like that because women. That ain't the problem. The 
problem is they're not trying. It's like we just have to get this out there to try to establish another superhero right. for young girls. So be damned if we're actually doing it. Like they're not trying. It's bad. I still have hopes for some of the uh, the Marvel films that are slated for this year, but eesh, what else Marvel's is this year? was brutal. There's not as many. I think there's only like two that are on the docket for uh, 2020. Uh, Madam Web is technically Marvel, yeah, technically, but not, but not really not in the Marvel. Yeah, in the, yeah, not in the Marvel cinema. Although uh, Craven the Hunter is is Madam Web Marvel. this week. Uh, I think it's like Valentine's week, so next okay. week I think. I would look at it. Like the cast is good enough. Yeah, the trailers have not done it for me. I like, agree with I that. I love Spider Man, so like I like I had yes. interest, and I feel like every time I've I, seen a trailer, when I say I'm I would like, look at it, I don't know that I would go to the theaters, but I would look at it at some point. Yeah, uh, Deadpool three apparently. Yes, Deadpool. That was the, that's the big one. That's the biggie that's uh, coming out this year. Um. Yeah, you know, Madam Web seems to me at minimum a, a bargain Tuesday, if that. Yeah, I don't think I would even. I don't know. I I would have to. Are there already uh, reviews out? Um, Does it have a Rotten Tomato score yet? Let's see if there is a. Uh, uh, no, I'm not. I don't think I see one. Because if somebody told, if it had like an 85 percent of Rotten Tomatoes, then I'd be like, okay. It's definitely not going to be 85 from what I'm hearing. All right, let's see if Rotten Tomatoes has a page for it. I'm sure it does. No, no rating yet. Yeah, it's never good when they're not when they're waiting the last minute to to do previews. It's not good. It's also not a good sign when it's a February movie. Typically, jeez, Argyle. Not good. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is 38, 36%. Mm. I'm excited for Lisa Frankenstein coming up. With Catherine Newton. Excited for that one. I don't one. know anything about that. Catherine, you remember um, the Vince Vaughn uh, 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 Freaky? Uh, vaguely, I never saw it. Um, she was in that, and okay. it, I'm getting a lot of, lot of vibes similar to that. It's Cole Sprouse is in it, apparently. That's the guy from uh, Sweet Life of Zack. See, I never, these are. Oh, these, this is, they're appealing, nothing, they're going right to nothing. me. Right, yeah, that's for you, 100%. I'm excited for Lisa you. Frankenstein. If you say so. And I like Catherine Newton, she's all great. Right. <laughs> thanks today to Jameer Young, thanks to Buster Olney, and thanks to Jared Diamond. We'll get all that up in the greatest hit section of the... Oh my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, Stan the Fan is in with us. John Arend, who uh, broke the news of the Orioles sale, will join us. Plus, former Orioles GM Dan Duquette will check in to talk about it. Um, Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive, yes. will get his thoughts on the uh, demise of the Baltimore Ravens this year and where they go next. And Bo Smolka, I presume, yes. as well tomorrow morning. Thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Towson. Go UMBC. Duke sucks.